This episode of the Cult Pop Show podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch or get two extra exclusive podcasts a month, then please consider becoming a patron and joining us at www.patreon.com forward slash cult pop show. Do you want to start it? Okay. Wow! Hello, everybody. And Welcome. Well, hello. Hello. Hey, Richard. It's me, AJ. Oh man, why are you talking like that? Well, been... I'm excited, dude. This is a big moment. This is a very big moment for the podcast. Um, Imagine if I just talk like this for the whole show. I'd, ah! I'd love it. You'd love it. Oh, oh, it's dying down a little bit now. Uh, it's gone. I've lost oh, it. Oh my gosh, you're just getting deeper and deeper. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> Uh, my voice starts going into like reverse and i'm just like the marvel cinematic universe <laughs> i mean that wasn't backwards but well you're not not ba- i mean like tonally backwards oh, which doesn't right. really make a lot of sense now right, yeah. the way. things you're saying are really backwards you're just like yeah, yeah. You're not very woke yeah yeah i'm saying real politically incorrect like antiquated <laughs> using antiquated terms and, yeah. and things that it's not quite racism but it's like it's like saying saying oriental you know it's it's like it's not uh, it's not you wouldn't go as far as to like call someone out for being racist but it is an antiquated term yeah like in the movie the mule with clint eastwood does he use it in that well he keeps on like um he like runs into the gang dykes on bikes right and he's like as he's walking away he's just like oh you dykes have fun and they're like they look at him like <laughs> what <laughs> and then um later on he's like uh these two african-american people have had a flat tire and they don't know how to because they're millennials mm-hmm. they don't know how to change a tire but clint eastwood does and he comes up to them and he's like oh yeah i can change it for you and then he's like oh you know it's it's good helping out you you negro folk mm. and they were like oh we don't we don't really does don't the really movie do this anymore. on purpose or is clint eastwood as a creative <laughs> like talent kind of just not aware that he shouldn't well it's, no no well, and then and then so they're like oh we don't really say it anymore and he's like oh sorry like what's the correct term and they're like oh just like just black is fine and he's like oh okay and that's it like so there's those two i think there might be a third one but it's like just those two things and it doesn't like add anything to the film it's never paid off yeah he never gets into trouble because of using right. antiquated terms. He, he never, like, his character doesn't really grow by having learned these things. There's right. just, like, two, like, slice of life. Oh, mm. he knows not to use that word now. Right. Well, good. I'm yeah. glad that Clint Eastwood has at least learned those two mm. things across his life. And he it has two threesomes in that movie. <laughs> You're giving me way more of the, the plot of the mule than I thought I was going to get <laughs> at the start of this episode. Yeah. Um... It's a very, it's a very strange movie. Interesting. And um, coincidentally, and this is real bad for me to, as a movie guide, to admit, it's the only film with Clint Eastwood in it I've ever seen. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I think I've seen maybe three, so I don't know. Yeah. Well, it was one of those things. I was like, yeah, surely I've, I've seen ones he's directed mm. um, that he wasn't in. You know what? But, I yeah. think I've only seen one as well, but that one is the good, the bad, and the ugly. So. Yeah, you've seen Gran Torino, haven't you? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Have you? Well, look at us. Just a couple of Clint Eastwood only having seen one movie, guys. Yeah. 
And that's the name of this podcast, or at least it mm. was until we decided to go for more broad appeal and call it <laughs> the Cult Popcher Podcast instead. So welcome along uh, yeah. to the Cult Popcher Podcast. I'm gonna stri- sorry, I'm going to strive to make sure that by the time this episode is released, that's no longer true. Interesting. So people are like, I can't believe Richard's only seen one. And I'll be like, actually, I've seen Million Dollar Baby. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good. Um. I, I like your motivation. I like your your stamina and your determination. I think that's those are admirable traits, and probably traits that Clint Eastwood himself would um, yeah really like. I mean, I'm a traitor. I'm a I, why did I bring up? Traitor. I'm trying to get away from talking about Clint Eastwood, and I just <laughs> mentioned him again like an idiot. Yeah. What's the perfect segue here to talk about Marvel uh, from okay. Clint Eastwood? Uh, oof. Clint. Uh, American Sniper. Clint Howard. Bradley Cooper. Howard Stark. Tony Stark. Iron Man. Wow. Welcome, everybody, to Film Franchise <laughs> Fortnights. We got there in the end. Here it is. <laughs> film Franchise Fortnights, where we watch a different film franchise every fortnight. Uh, but for the Normally. next three weeks, including this week, that won't exactly be true. No, it will not. <laughs> <laughs> Suckers. You just clicking <laughs> just on our false us, advertising. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we're covering the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm, which which is, is the franchise of all franchises in a lot of ways. Like, we we talked about this when we did the Lord of the Rings trilogy a few a few weeks back. That, like, when we started this podcast, we wanted to focus on your Beethovens and your earbuds, your dog-related or otherwise seldom-discussed franchises because that's that's there's less content out there in the podcast sphere about um sisterhood of the traveling pants too then there is about um captain america for example you know and yet here we are we're doing what i'm sure 1000 other podcasts are doing in the world at the moment and discussing the marvel cinematic universe but we have more we have more credence too because we we are because we know those dog franchises <laughs> we, yeah we've, we've done the hard yards hey all you other um podcasts with small audiences talking about marvel where were where were you when we were talking about beethoven where were you when we were talking about um land before time you know we've we deserve this we deserve to be talking about franchises that are popular now because we've talked about so many of the ones that aren't popular (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly Mm. uh we've earned this this is our this is our little treat this is our treat that's more work than if we didn't do it Mm. I yeah. was I want I wanted to look up like a um a fun little fact about like what our most popular franchise is based on Google search results. Yeah. Like when you search the name of it, how many results come up? So mm-hmm. if you search MCU, you get 118 million results. Yeah. Well, did you look through all of them? No, just seeing how many. All oh, right. Okay. There are like so what like what's our most talked about franchise? Mm-hmm. Um, if you search. Marvel, you get 994 million. Um, and then I thought Lord of the Rings actually might be quite a popular one because it's been around for so long. That's 337 million. Mm. Um, just for fun, as a point of reference, Star Wars has 1.2 billion results. Mm. And we haven't and covered that yet. We haven't, but I just wanted to because yeah. you'd think, you'd say that's probably the most popular franchise of all time, you'd, you'd say. Yeah. 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 But do you know what? The um, Back to the Future has 2.7 billion results when you that's really it. cool yeah that's, that's like twice as many hits for back to the future as there are for star wars that's really interesting i wonder yeah. why that is so interesting I, yeah. th- i'm trying to figure out why that would be and i can't land on it yeah because 
Star Wars is so much shorter as well. <laughs> like, and there's there's more films, and it's yeah. got way more lore. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, hey, no, that's cool. Uh, so anyway, start off the podcast with that fun fact. That's that's our only randomly placed piece of trivia this episode because there's really? so much we want to talk about, and I forgot to write any others. I've got another one. Oh, good. Should I bring it up now? Paul, sure. Poorly placed yeah. useless yeah. decisions. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is our third franchise, and I'm not going to say the name of the other two, but this is our third franchise in which Stalin Skarsgård uh, ends up betraying the main characters in some way. Uh, whether it's through mind control, he becomes a bad guy yeah. by by the end of at least one of these movies. Stellan Skarsgård does actions which um, directly hinder yeah. the heroes. This is our third franchise in which he's done that. And as a, as a fun little side note to that as well, all three of those franchises where Stellan Skarsgård acts against the heroes of the story are all franchises in which more than one movie of the series has came out in the same year. So, you know what I mean? Like, all of them have multiple movies that released oh. in the same year. <laughs> yes, that's a very good piece of trivia. That's a um, long piece of trivia and a, a very strange typecast to realise yeah, for yeah, Stellan yeah. Skarsgård that I'm not sure if anyone else would have realised. I can't yeah. wait to find another example where he's done this. Fuck yeah, man. All right, well, anyway, um, that was... If you're still with us, um, <laughs> so we're here to talk about today. We're going to be talking because, fortunately for us, the 21 film strong at, at point of at the time of recording, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe has been conveniently um, segmented Diced. into what they call phases. Mm. And so we're here today to talk about phase one, as you might be able to tell from the title of this episode. And this so, is all f- to to go toward like the the road to end game. Yeah. This is our road to Are we going to call that? Call well, that? I'm sure a hundred other places are calling it that, but that's mm. essentially what this is. We're doing this in the lead up to Avengers Endgame. The Should we call this one second. beginning game? Beginning and then game. the second episode can be called- Middle game. Middle game. Yeah. Act two game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so phase one was six films. Started in 2008 with Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And then I'll uh, run through the, what the films we, ha- we have. And then we can talk about them a little bit more in depth. Sweet. So we had Iron Man 2008, followed a, six weeks later by The Incredible Hulk. Mm-hmm. Then Iron Man 2 in 2010, Thor in 2011, Captain America the First Avenger in 2011, and Marvel's The Avengers in 2012. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, like, I... The Marvel, for some reason, when you when if, if a franchise is going to release more than one film a year, for some reason they do them closer to it. They don't do them like one end of the year and the other end of the year, <laughs> like, mm. like which is how I probably would have said we should do it if I was Kevin Feige, yeah. whose name we'll mention a lot probably in the next three podcasts. Yeah, but also there, um, you have to keep in mind, I guess that. Yeah, you know, there is like a. I mean, it's less so now than ten years ago, but there is like a blockbuster season. True. Yeah. Um, and then Deadpool kind of proved that movies can do really well in February, mm-hmm. and now the blockbuster season has extended and keeps extending. Okay. And also, Star Wars, Avatar, and Titanic did really well in December. So there's like there is a, a spot for tentpole releases there. Yeah. Man, I've got uh, when we were preparing for this, when I was watching this movie, these movies, I was like, there's so much I, I have to say 
for next episode. There's so much I want to say in, in reflection phase of phase one, right, you know, yeah, but I don't know yeah. if I should should bring it up on the actual phase one episode, but I guess we'll find find that out shortly. Yeah, I'm the same as well. Like, I have so much. Like, we could literally talk about Marvel yeah. for 24 hours. Yeah, and like, this is the- a way to restrict ourselves and- yeah. um, yeah, because I mean, we do, we do. Like our, we have a group chat with Rowan, who's a friend of the podcast, hmm. and we literally just talk about Marvel. Unless Forty Eight Hours is coming up, we just talk yeah. about Marvel. Yeah, and sometimes Star Wars. Yeah, um, and yeah, we we very rarely um repeat ourselves. Actually, we repeat ourselves all the time, and I'm sure we will across these three episodes. Hmm. But you know what? Yeah. Stuff you. We're just two lowly podcasters talking about Marvel, desperate to try and come up with some hot takes that no one else has seen. Yeah, that's the thing about <laughs> about Marvel, and and also something like Star Wars, and, yeah. and even Lord of the Rings to a lesser extent. But it's so hard, especially in podcast form, to oh. make what you're saying be fresh. And I'm sure we're not going to come up with any original opinions. That's that's why we us. do obscure franchises as opposed to these big ones. Yeah, because, because we if wanted- we come up with any opinion about a, ver- a Pup star, puppy star, Xmas. Yeah, it's the first opinion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's dive straight into these films without further apu. Mm-hmm. Um, much like The Simpsons. Okay, like, I, I definitely right, made okay. that joke before. Okay, um, <laughs> just keep, let's keep <laughs> driving through. Uh, so, 2008, we had Iron Man directed by John Favreau. Mm-hmm. Uh, AJ, what is Iron Man about? All right, I've written these down to try and streamline the effects. So these are my authored synopses. They're like a page each. <laughs> no, they're not. Um, Tony Stark is a world-famous weapons manufacturer who, after getting kidnapped and held hostage by terrorists in Afghanistan, escapes using a robotic suit, which he then perfects back in America to be his Iron Man suit, uh, which he uses to become a superhero and fight to pivot his own company away from manufacturing weapons. There's yeah. there's more to it, but that's the and the, who's you know, quickly, who's the bad guy? The bad guy is uh, uh, Obadiah Stane, played by Jeff Bridges, who becomes Iron Monger. Yeah, that's right. Because um, I guess that's the easiest way to like tell these different movies apart. Yeah, you're like which one's the bad guy? The first one. Yeah. Uh, so, AJ, mm. uh, tell me a little bit about what was your first experience with this film? Um, this came out. Did this come out after The Dark Knight? Uh, oh, it's like a case of like months. Let's have a look. Right. Well, I remember uh, 2008 when this came out. 2008 was like the birth of me being a movies guy. Like that was when I first got really into movies through like friends who were also into movies. I was always into storytelling, but 2008 was, was the year I started like being serious about it basically. Um, And I remember when... The Dark Knight came out. I loved it. Still one of my favorite movies to these to this, to this day. When Iron Man came out, I remember thinking, why is Robert Downey Jr. playing a superhero? And I remember thinking he was so old, which is such a strange opinion for my 15-year-old brain to have because <laughs> what it came from was the only other Robert Downey Jr. movie I'd seen was Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And all I knew about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was that it was Robert Downey Jr.'s come back after being like a drug addict or whatever between this and Ally McBeal in which he was a main character. Yeah. Um, and so I guess in my mind, I figured that if you were to have a comeback from a, from a bender, like a years long bender, that meant you were old. Like that meant yeah, you were well, an old I mean, yeah, man. Yeah. It's like, yeah. 
if you had enough time to fall out of the to get into the yeah. limelight, fall out of it, and then come back, and that was a few years ago. Yeah. That, yeah. Thank you for articulating that for me. That's a very good way to put it. I was I was ready for you to be like, why does that make him old? But no, you, you actually <laughs> yeah. put that into words better than I did. And I think especially because my image of Robert Downey Jr. was from Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, where he's quite a weak, um, but charming but weak character. And mm. now he's Tony Stark, where he's like the human rendition of the word cocky you know yeah, like yeah, it was yeah. hard for me to see him as anyone but the character in, in kiss kiss bang bang and now it's hard to see him as anyone other than tony stark which is interesting. yeah even when you go back and watch kiss kiss bang bang you're like oh there's yeah tony pretending to this um for the record uh it was b- about two months before don't Nut. there you go um so yeah, I I did not see Iron Man one in the cinemas. I don't think oh. I was like nah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and then I saw I caught it on DVD or something, and I was like, oh, I couldn't have been more wrong. I loved Iron Man when I first saw yeah, it. I, I had a big Iron Man poster in my room. Um, I bought the DVD. Uh, you know, like as much as as much <laughs> as fanship. much as as you can do when you're that age. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The two main things when you're fourteen. Yeah, I loved Iron Man. I thought it was such a cool movie. Um, and I yeah, I got really into it. Uh, and that's yeah, that's my experience growing up. Yeah. With, with Iron so Man. I so I was aware of Iron Man, like the character, mm-hmm. to some extent. Um, mainly through I've spoken about this before, but I had that like big, um. Uh, Spider-Man encyclopedia that I got out from the library a few times and yeah. so that was kind of my introduction to comic books because I multiple times had tried to get into comic books and I was met with your stereotypical comic book guy who yeah. tells me you know I, I can't get into that I remember one time um I can't remember the check. One of them was X Man, who is like an X, was one of, in, in the X Men comics, and the other one I can't remember who it was. But my a friend of mine was real into comic books, and he found out what his two favorite characters were, mm-hmm. or like what his favorite. And he said X Man and someone else. And I went to a comic book store and was like, "Hey, I'm looking for comics for a friend. Um, like anything with X Man or uh, this other person in it." And he was like. Um, well, first of all, those two characters would never cross over because they take place in separate universes. <laughs> and I'm like, like I said, or like, yeah, it's pretty, you know. And secondly, it's X-Men, not X-Man. And then you got them. <laughs> then you had it. <laughs> you're like, but, you've fallen into my trap. Yeah. So that was, that, that was a bummer. And yeah, so that's why I've never actually really gotten into like actually, comic, I love comic book lore, but I don't really read comic books. Um, yeah, and because neither. now it's like it feels like it's way too hard to get into, and I, I know like that that's a problem a lot of people have. And yeah, you just need to I'm, dive in, but I'm distinctly uninterested in getting into comics though. Like yeah. I, I after I just something happened. Just read Wikipedia articles. Yeah, after I saw The Dark Knight, I had a maybe a six month stint where I bought a bunch of Batman graphic novels, and I think graphic novels are probably the better way to get into comics because mm, mm. they're the standalone kind of things, and often they're they feel like they're written better than. Uh, your comics and a lot of comics are actually get turned into graphic novels after the afterwards so yeah i i was into specifically batman comics for maybe six months to a year after seeing the dark knight but you know and i faced yeah. similar prejudices from people who didn't th- it's really like, hard though. you can't just watch the dark knight and be into batman and it's like why not yeah yeah <laughs> like Why like comic, book, comic books are like 
in my experience, comic book stores are like one of the only stores that actively seem to hate getting customers. Yeah. Like they they want um long-term customers, but they don't want anyone to turn into them. Yeah. <laughs> like um yeah, it's because you know when Guardians of the Galaxy comes out, everyone all of a sudden wants to read up on who Guardians of the Galaxy are. They're like, oh, poses. Yeah. But it's like how does anyone fucking get into anything, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, my experience with Iron Man, I saw. I remember seeing it twice in the cinemas. I'm pretty sure. Wow. And um, I waited to the end for the post credit scene. Blew my mind. And uh, I also remember that I overheard in my maths class. I overheard some guys talking about this movie, and I was like, "Hey, are you guys talking about Iron Man?" <laughs> and then uh, that guy ended up becoming my best friend. Oh, that's awesome. Similar, similar thing with the Dark Knight for me. Yeah, I may, I I had two very close best friends in two thousand eight, who I attribute our love of the Dark Knight and um, furthermore, you know, movies in general to be the yeah. the reason why we we loved each other so much. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, so that's my experience with Iron Man, and then I was fully like. Right on board, yeah. With the, not not quite as on board with the Marvel Cinematic Universe as you might think, and uh, like judging by what I'm like now, and mm. you'll, we'll get to that more when we get to the end of Phase One. But yeah, I fucking loved this film. I, the, the, I remember watching the trailer over and over again, yeah, because it's a really cool trailer, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's my experience with Iron Man. So what what would you say? You you obviously thought pretty highly of it, yeah, man. What do you reckon it has on Rotten Tomatoes? Got to be like 95. Pretty close. 93. Yeah, 93, And yeah. so I've got a f- we've got a few different ways of ranking yeah. um, the thing. So I had a look and see what, in the in the entire um, Marvel Cinematic Universe, how everything ranks in uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. There's also Letterboxd, which we use. We've, ranked, we've done our own rankings of Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. And you can also like buy user rating on Letterboxd as well. So- uh, on Ron Tomatoes, this is the second highest in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. Really? Um, yeah, so that's a pretty big deal. Now, Ooh. AJ, where did you rank this? Because you did, you have a, a famous MCU Yeah, ranking. I think I need to explain this yeah. as if you've never heard of me or Letterboxd or the MCU. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not those po- last or, or this podcast. So, um, I, yeah, I... We use Letterboxd. I mainly use it just because ranking things is fun. Um, and I... My, re- I feel like this is this is a. I need to explain my relationship with the MCU before I explain, or as I explain this. Mm. So basically, most of these movies out of the twenty-one movies that have been released so far, I've seen ninety percent of them once. Right? Yeah. Um, and including my, I, I will save it for the Phase Two episode. But my my relationship with uh, Captain America Two and Thor Two, uh is the reason for where some of those movies may be placed. This is all to say that um, if I read you my old cinematic universe ranking based off the the memories with like, it's tilted where the more recent ones are higher up because I've seen them more recently. If I read you this ranking, uh, listeners, and you get furious, I won't even defend it. Like it's, yeah. it's well, not, we don't need to read each other's entire ranking, right? But, yeah. This is this is not me trying to like. You can find it letterboxcom slash Alexidus and look for my MCU ranking. This is not me being vehement in where my rankings are. This was very. Uh, uh, maybe I'll put this one here. So, 
yeah my yeah. my ranking is one that is uh subject to change which is why i've also started a new ranking as we cover it for this podcast um where we called the aj's marvel cinematic universe ranking redux very cool aj so where did you rank iron man in your original ranking in my original i ranked it so this is with everyone not just phase one yeah yeah yeah. uh in my original i ranked it third my third favorite yeah very cool i ranked it second very cool so uh, that's where we sort of think Iron Man lies. So what do you reckon? Let's talk about this. What makes Iron Man so good? Iron Man is um, Iron Man is good because it didn't know what it was what it was setting up. It's, yeah. It benefits from being the only movie in the series that, by virtue of it being what it was, didn't have any ulterior motives. Didn't have any. Um, it didn't even have Disney backing it, so there was no there was no uh, situation in which a studio could manipulate. Because Iron Man's technically an indie film, is that correct? Yeah, so it was made by Marvel as an independent studio, and then distributed by Paramount Pictures. Mm. And so the this is the, the in a lot of ways this is the purest, for obvious reasons, the purest MCU film where it's just trying to be a a superhero film. And, um, you know, and, and the grand spectrum of superhero films, it's one of the first, you know. It, you know, obviously their Batman and Superman movies came out in the 80s and 90s, but this was like... And 70s. Yeah, true. And this was the first, like, post-Spider-Man 3... This is a very specific niche, but it's the first post-Spider-Man 3 superhero movie that wasn't something like The Dark Knight, which kind of abandoned being a superhero movie in favor of being a real movie about superheroes. Um, mm. The Dark Knight is, is is my favorite superhero movie, but it feels disingenuous to, to rank it as such because it, yeah. it's more like a excellent piece of filmmaking that happens to be about <laughs> superheroes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the, the movie as well was famously had a pretty loose, like, shooting. The film was improvised. Oh, they right. had a very loose script, and they kind of workshop. So they showed up to work every day and were like, fuck, should we write this scene we're shooting? And they would just feel it out. And it has a really good feel, and I think the relationships uh, in the film benefit for that. Yeah. Um, a lot you have, and the character of Tony Stark is one that's very, you know- free we only like kind of says what's on his mind yep. and you know and so uh, that works really well for mm. for that character and robert downey jr as tony stark is one of the like famous good casting good kind of things like <laughs> perfectly adequate casting <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, like, like yeah perfect castings yeah. really yeah so you 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 look on any fucking read it list of like what character was what actor was so perfect for their role and it's the top answers always robert downey jr mm. it just says robert downey jr is tony stark yeah that's what i'll say every time yeah. uh, and then someone will reply there and be like i also for my money's worth i also just want to add um, jk simmons as jjj and then someone replies to that and says like yeah they should just keep him if they reboot it for the mcu yeah. and then someone reply to that and be like nah did you see that photoshop of terry cruz's jjj yeah i'd love to see that and then someone would be like haha ice cube is um j jonah jameson anyway and then in a, in, a, in a similar thread on the same day a new sequel will be announced and someone will say the first comment will be to name of film to name of film 
It yeah. is a parody of Too Fast, Too Furious. And I'm fucking sick of that joke. And I, I commented on Reddit. I was like, I'm sick of seeing this joke. And it got downvoted. And I was like, fine, you fuckers. Stay in your, like, <laughs> purgatory of the same fucking joke over and over again. Yeah. The other one that we're, if we're talking about Reddit things that, that grind our gears. The other one is whenever people get really up in arms about the we only use 10% of our brains thing. Yeah. Fuck, it's the same comments yeah. every yeah. time. Like, I can suspend disbelief in this film, but when Lucy tried to tell me that if we only use 10% of our brains, we turn into a superhero of the fucking whatever. And then people are like, like what? She like fucking flies and shit in that movie. It's like, yeah, but the one thing they got factually incorrect pisses me off. Yeah. And then someone goes, it's like saying you only use one third of a traffic light. And then someone goes, ha ha ha, that's a great analogy. I'd never think of how efficient we could be if we used 100%. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> There's a joke in here about um, later criticisms of the MCU being samey and repeating the same template. And I can't quite reach it. I can't quite yeah, work, work what good. that joke is, but it is there. It exists. Yeah. Just know that we're aware of the We're aware the joke is there, so don't make it yourself. It's our <laughs> joke. Uh, <laughs> it's my hands off. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. As, as I started that tangent, mm. uh, Robert Downey Jr. is you know considered, often considered one of the best casting decisions of all time. And I saw an interview with Kevin Feige, and he was talking about how um, like, Mar- like at the time- because obviously Robert Downey Jr. is one of, if not the biggest movie star in the world now because of Iron Man. And he was the highest paid star for a long time as well. And Kevin Feige was saying, you know, nowadays with the studio and, and there's all these decisions that had to be made, but we were an indie studio back then. We didn't hire Robert Downey Jr., the biggest movie star in the world. Back then, he was just one of the best actors in the world. And we were able to, like, you know, get, get hell on board. And uh, I, I found that really interesting. Uh, I mean, I don't know if he's necessarily one of the best actors in the world. He's actually a very good, very good actor. Mm. And he probably is being pigeonholed as like a superhero actor now, but he's, he's a very talented guy. Yeah. But did you know he wasn't always? Um, Here we go. Here we go. So it, all, all of the casting decisions pretty much I have um, who who could have almost played it. Yeah. Um, so uh, back when they were trying to do a Iron Man film in like the 90s, Nicolas Cage uh, was God, he about shows up a lot in these conversations, doesn't he? <laughs> I feel like Nicolas Cage was almost every superhero. Yeah. Well. Good. I don't want Nicolas Cage to, to be. List. Actually, he would be all right. He'd probably be okay as I am. Uh, well, another one that I think that I, I actually think would be all right, but probably not for the Marvel Cinematic Universe as it is, but um, Tom Cruise yeah, as well. Yeah, that's the one I'd heard. Yeah, he's like the famous, the famous kind of one. I can't imagine him adopting the look of Tony Stark, though. With the go-to. Yeah, I can't imagine Tom Cruise looking at all good with that look. Tom, uh, has Tom Cruise ever supported a beard? I cannot th- I cannot think of one example. He doesn't suit a beard. He doesn't suit beards or romantic leads in his films. Yeah. Oh, like, he had long hair and a beard and um, uh, Last Samurai. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I would... I would quite like. I'd be quite curious to see the alternate universe where he played Tony Stark. Yeah, because he's dude's a bona fide movie star. Like, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, that would the MCU have happened with such an expensive cast member being? Yeah, that's the other thing yeah. as well. Um, so the other options were, um, and these ones are just like you know they always say, oh, these people were looked at as well. Um, Clive Owen, Sam Rockwell, Hugh Jackman, and Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, I could see see most of them. I think. 
Mm. Uh, and then also uh, Rachel McAdams turned down Pepper Potts, who was mm. John Favreau's first choice. Interesting. And then she regretted the decision fucking eight years later and <laughs> started Doctor Strange. Yep. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. I. I. Here's a here's a confession about me. I love Tony Stark. Maybe specifically Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal of him. I don't really read Iron Man comics, so I'm not familiar enough with who the character is outside of RDJ's portrayal. But I think in terms of, if we're talking like blockbuster film, I rank Tony Stark as a character up there with someone like Captain Jack Sparrow or Heath Ledger's Joker. Like he's one of my favorite examples of character um, on on film. And the reason for that and the reason why... um, and we'll probably get to this more later, that for a long time in the MCU, Tony Stark was the only character I liked. Like, well into Phase Mm. 2, he was the only one I gave a shit about. Um, Was because I really enjoy... So I I really enjoy... uh, I think I've talked about this before. I really enjoy the the fish-out-of-water character arc. When you put a character who's (laughs) used to something and place them in an unfamiliar situation. And I know that both Captain America and Thor are probably the more obvious ones to go to (laughs) for that. But what I like about Tony is that he's a fish-out-of-water in the sense that he's a a wacky, jokey, cynical, sarcastic dude who is then put in situations where he has to save the world or save the people he loves. And I really, really enjoy someone who doesn't take life seriously having to take life seriously. I think that's a really compelling um, character, a place to put a character and especially a place to put an actor. It's very interesting to see how an actor deals with that sort of thing. And so that, I think, is why I like... um, Tony Stark so much is that he's he's layered and interesting and he's kind of an asshole, but then he's also like in, in the world of the film, he's actually doing amazing things for technology and like clean energy and stuff like that. You know, so I, I love I love that his cockiness mixed with his he's actually genuinely a good person and a good guy and a protagonist and a you know, making the world yeah. a better place. Which is part of the arguments. I I think I think a lot of the more interesting ideas that the MCU broaches are catalysts of Tony Stark being the type of person he is. Hmm. Hmm. Cool, man. Yeah, man. I love Tony Stark. <laughs> well, another character that I know you love mm. uh, is the Incredible Hulk. Mm. Uh, so this is uh, came also came out. You know, the next month. Yeah. Uh, about six weeks later, it was directed by Louis Leterrier. Mm-hmm. And um, what's this one about, mate? This is the easiest one to write about because it's basically just the the plot of Incredible Hulk, like as a concept. Um, so Bruce Banner, after being mutated by gamma radiation, is a wanted fugitive and must constantly outrun Homeland Security while also dealing with his hulking green Jekyll Hyde alter ego, uh, who he mutates into when he gets angry. So cool. That's if you've never heard of the Incredible Hulk. And who's the villain? Uh, the villain is um, uh, Abomination, played by Tim Roth, who injects Blomsky? himself. Huh? Yeah, Elon Blomsky, who injects e- himself with Enor. a similar, um, what well, similar kind of stuff that made Bruce Banner Hulk, but it turns him into like a more. I don't know what the difference is really. He seems more intelligent, but that's about it. It seems like he doesn't <laughs> become a different person, which is what happens with right, sure, with sure. Bruce Banner and Hulk. Uh, so now. You're thinking, oh yeah, I'm I'm familiar with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I know. I love Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk, but yeah. uh, Mark Ruffalo is not in this movie, is he? AJ. No, this stars Edward Norton as Bruce Banner. This is 
so phase one of the MCU is in a lot of ways the most inconsistent with the rest of the series for obvious reasons, like growing pains and stuff. But this is the most most explicit example of growing pains in a franchise, you know. Mm. And like obviously if you if you haven't seen it, um I made a video about this a few months back called Marvel's Forgotten Movie, where I sort of talk about how the how the Incredible Hulk fits in with the MCU and why it doesn't um <laughs> why why there haven't been any sequels it's the only it's the only mcu film that either doesn't have a sequel or isn't going to get one soon um and i think i think the incredible hulk is a fascinating little uh you know sore thumb of a film <laughs> in, in an otherwise very clean and very templated and consistent mcu mm. uh yeah yeah uh so what do you think this one has on rotten teas uh, maybe like mid seventies, sixty seven percent. Wow, that's pretty low. Uh, it's the second lowest rated MCU film. Yeah, that's interesting. I I don't know if I disagree, but I certainly used to disagree. <laughs> yeah, that's um, interesting because you famously, famously, stop saying famously. It's not defended the shit out of this film and said, and I quote, that it's one of two thousand eight's best films. When did I say that? <laughs> no, you didn't. Anyway, uh, no, uh, yeah. I, I has just, your opinion changed? You, you, I, I don't know. My, so I think, I think a similar thing happened with Iron Man. I didn't see this till it was on DVD, and I think when you're 15, like The Incredible Hulk's fucking awesome, regardless <laughs> of how good the story is, right? So, how, how many times did you seen it? I've seen The Incredible Hulk a few times. Oh, okay, right, yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know. I I just I really like a lot of this film. This film, or at least I did. Um, I acknowledge that it's not as good as others, but uh, it was a while before I. In fact, it was only rewatching it now that I was actually like consciously ranking it lower than than other films in the series. Mm. Um, but I certainly don't think it's a terrible film. I think it's probably better than sixty seven. Um, mm. But yeah, where did I rank it on my, on my original ranking? Yeah. I ranked this. Oh, this is going to. This is the first instance of like. Like, there is one comment on my letterbox page for my MCU ranking. It's from someone named Daniel Voice who wrote, This is so fucking wrong. I hate you. Uh, so I ranked Incredible Hulk 14th um, out of 21, which is very high for yeah, a movie with, with, with that critical, uh, f- you know, reception f- uh, surrounding it. I ranked this I ranked this 19th. For yeah, record. so very- so third, yeah. third to last. <laughs> but um, it's also like, um, I, I've se- I've always said like everything above 19, I'm like, this is real good. Yeah. And then 20 and 21, I'm just like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny, man, that like- just my undying love for this movie, but I'm not even that passionate about it. I had this on DVD. This is one of the only other MCU. I only ever bought three MCU films on DVD, and this is one of them. So yes, I don't know. I, I thought have, this I was a fun more. movie. Very cool. Well, I don't buy DVDs anymore, so. Well, I buy Blu-rays. <laughs> and actually, I think I did have this on DVD as well. Mm. Um, and then I remember, I think this was like the last DVD that I upgraded to Blu-ray. Right. Uh, when I was like, I want to have all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe on mm. Blu-ray. And it means every Christmas I can just say, just get me the most recent Marvel films that I haven't bought. Yeah. So I haven't bought one for myself in ages. Um, but yeah, like none of the characters from The Incredible Hulk turn up again except for Thunderbolt Ross, which Thaddeus is weird. Thunderbolt Ross. It's, like, it's so weird because, and obviously Bruce Banner, but he's played by a different guy. Yeah. And there's actually could be one other one. Do you want to talk about that? 
What is it? I don't know. Do you remember? Uh, so there's the bit in the movie where Edward Norton's like, hey, man, I got to deliver this cheese pizza upstairs. Yeah. And um, Lou Ferrigno's like, oh, I'll let you through because I'm the original Hulk. And then do you remember the actor who he delivers the pizza to? No. Martin Starr from ah, Freaks and yes, Geeks. Yes. Who's also Spider-Man's teacher. Is it the same character? Is it the same character? <laughs> um, we don't know. But interestingly- uh, Martin Starr, uh, if you read the novelization of The Incredible Hulk, Martin Starr's character is revealed to be Amadeus Cho, who um, later, beca- who in the comics, is the first Asian-American character to take on the mantle of the Hulk. And he's played by Martin Starr in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Martin Starr being, like, blazing trails for Asian representation in blockbuster movies everywhere. Yeah. But um, so that's quite funny. Hmm. There's another big way in which the Incredible Hulk is inconsistent with the rest of the series. Do uh, motherfucking tell. I will motherfucking tell, motherfucker. Uh, so at the end of, it's so hot in my room, dude. I'm like melting. It's hot in here as well. <laughs> uh, well I've got the- a fan pointed at me, but it's not on because obviously <laughs> it would affect. And it's like <laughs> towards the end of the film. Um, uh, we meet Samuel Stearns, played by Tim Blake Nelson, and uh, at the end. Oh, or towards the end of the movie, after he's helped, um, what's his name? Elon Blomsky, Elon Musk Blomsky, Emil, Emil Blomsky. After he helps Emil become uh, abomination, he sa- he he like gets knocked over, and a bit of the serum or whatever it is like drips on his head, and you see it sort of growing out, and he kind of like grins towards the camera. And in the comics, Samuel Stearns is a villain known as the Leader, um, and. When I made the video on The Incredible Hulk, I, I talked about how, like, it straight up ends on a cliffhanger that's never resolved. And then one of the comments um, revealed to me that but there's, there's actually an MCU canon yeah. comic in which uh, Black Widow kills the leader. Or, or uh, it doesn't kill, it captures. Yeah, captures the leader. So, in, in canon, the leader is currently in S.H.I.E.L.D.'s custody. Which... <sighs> continuity you can you could just make another appearance of him in the film and they would outright like you know write over the continuity so i don't don't quite accept that as being um a satisfying conclusion (laughs) i reject your your reality and substitute my own (laughs) well it's not really a case of that because it's more like the the mcu are very particular about we talked about this on um, the the Disney Plus episode about continuity flowing downward. So, like, the implications of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are not reflected in the MCU. It doesn't go upwards. It doesn't go from TV shows up to movies, but it does go movies down to TV shows. Yeah. And even furthermore, I'd say it flows down into tie-in comics, which, you know what I mean? So, you wouldn't... What I'm, what I'm getting at is you wouldn't signpost that the leader is going to be in a future film if you intended if they knew they were they were only going to wrap it up in a comic mm. so to me it still is like a somewhat of a cliffhanger because they teased it in film yeah that, that's more they knew they weren't going to make a sequel and so they yeah. tied off that loose end yeah but um there is it's like how um did you ever watch like the lost webisodes yeah yeah and how one of them has like a big reveal and it's never addressed in the show what was the reveal that um christian shepherd like found vincent first right that, like because what it's from vincent's point of view the dog yeah, yeah. and he like runs into christian shepherd who's like all right off you go you have work to do and yeah. then he goes and wakes up jack at the start of the pilot yeah and it's like 
Yeah, interesting. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, a little bit of lost trivia there for any listeners. Any this, fans? This lost? film, this film is just so weird. It's like, yeah, it's it's the closest the MCU has ever come to any like semblance of a failure. The type, the types of failures you see constantly with every other cinematic. Yeah, universe. yeah, yeah. Um, but so another interesting thing about this film is that we had a Hulk film, not too long before it mm. uh, ang lee directed a hulk film and this film sort of trailblazing at the time isn't really an even though it's like the first one it's not really an origin story yeah it, it kind of glosses over his origin story in the first one and sorry not in the first one in the opening credits montage mm. and yeah they they, they it, it almost is like the first Ang Lee's Hulk is canon to this one, and well, it started out that way. Yeah, when developing it, they they referred to it as a requel of Ang Lee's Hulk. Oh, I love it. Sequel part <laughs> reboot. Um, so it's like it's it's a new continuity, but it's presuming you've seen the two thousand three one, which I haven't. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's te- it's terrible. It's literally. I mean, it's hard to say now because I've watched some of the garbage films for this podcast. Yeah. But for a long time, it was the worst movie I'd ever seen. Mm. And then I saw a disaster yeah. movie and Transformers 2 and I would and I classed those three as like wow. the three worst movies I've ever seen. The, interesting that you also, you've also said on pod before that you loved the Fantastic Four movies and people mentioned the fan, the original Fantastic Four movies in the same breath as Ang Lee's Hulk, I think. Yeah, well, no, it's <laughs> like the, the thing about- and I, 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 I still stand by that because um, I remember I was 10 when Ang Lee's Hulk came out yeah. and I walked out of it and I was like, it's too long and it's not very funny. <laughs> um, but no, I actually remember like, because my because I was it was for a friend's birthday party or something like that, and the parents well the parents, my parents, uh, mum and dad were like, oh, what well, the was the movie? And I was like, ah, uh, it was- too serious and i i didn't like that there were no moments of levity and there was n- absolutely no humor in the film whatsoever which i get that like it's going for a more serious tone but like real life is funny funny things happen in real life so even in these serious films you usually have some moments of levity and i remember the film not having any of those mm. it, it may do that then they went over my head but um yeah it's it's takes itself too seriously and I saw a video the other day that was like defeating the shit out of it, and I was like, "Fuck off!" Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, it could be good. <laughs> the, the the thing that I that I dislike Ang Lee's Hulk for is that I think presumably that's why we have that like very non-committal opening sequence of the Incredible Hulk, the MCU's Incredible Hulk, where it kind of goes over the origin in a way, in a requally kind of way that makes you feel like you should know this, but in case you haven't, because technically this is a new continuity, uh, here's how Bruce Banner turned into the Hulk. And I think yeah. that's that opening montage is the worst part of the movie. because it's, Really? I, yeah. I think it's great. I think it's one of the best decisions the film makes. No, I disagree. I think it... Well, first of all, I think it... It's too much information to dump in a in a way if you really want your movie to be standalone, which I know they didn't, but you know, like you these movies should you shouldn't have had to have seen or read supplementary material to right. understand. But did you movies. pick up on what was happening? Um I did. But what I'm more saying is that later right, so on then it, then it did its job. 
No, but um, but I think it's poorly made. Is what is it's cheesy and it's hammy and it's right, okay. it, it disrupts okay. the flow of the film. I think it'd have been way cooler if it had just started in where's it start like Brazil or something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, so South America. Yeah, yeah. Um, because later on in the film, Bruce Banner returns to the lab, and when he's there, you see some of the same shots from the montage at the beginning, and right, I think that okay. just should have been where they put that that scene i think opening it with that oh yeah is less well, is way less um is, it's it's got a lot less tact than just being like here's this guy who's on on the run why is he on the run and then oh my god he's the incredible hulk and then you know and then yeah. later on you see those origins when he returns to the lab i think that would have been a better way to do it yeah there was an original opening to the film uh which was and it's referenced in the avengers actually <laughs> is um edward norton drives out to the um polar ice i don't know somewhere icy and uh grabs a gun sticks it in his mouth pulls the trigger and then um hulks out and survives the shot mm. um and then he like smashes the ice and as the ice like ripples up you can see captain america frozen and part of it <laughs> is um, that scene online anyway uh yeah yeah it's on youtube really it's, it's yeah is it yeah. good uh, uh yeah i mean it's fine it's a pretty dark and moody start but the the that sounds so much captain- cooler to me the you can see Captain America thing. It's like there's a blur on one of the things, which is in the shape of a man. It's not like oh, there's a shield. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he and then in the Avengers, Mark Ruffalo says, "I put a I put a like gun on my mouth, and the other guy spit out a bullet, yeah, or something like that." And so it's like that scene actually happened. We're just not showing it in the movie. That and would be also s- is Mark Ruffalo, not Edward uh, Norton. <laughs> I can I can just imagine how much cooler the film would have been had it started with that. Like as a cold mm. open, because that yeah. tells you everything you need to know. You don't need to know about gamma radi- radiation at that point in the film. You just yeah, need sure, to know sure. this is the this is the curse that this character lives with. And I think yeah. I think the reason this film is considered by many to be the worst of the MCU is because of those growing pains of it being like the remnants of a past film, and then later being like all but removed from canon you know like yeah, yeah. it's it could have been way cooler they could have cast it if mark if mark ruffalo had been bruce banner in that film that would have been so much cooler as well like obviously that's yeah. not a decision they made wrong or whatever but man yeah. i would i love mark ruffalo's hulk and yeah apparently he was uh, leterio's original choice i think i said that already yeah. but um uh there is something interesting so this film does tie into the wider mcu as well and it's um final scene often called a post-credit scene but there's it's not actually a post-credit scene which is um, also makes it the only mcu film that doesn't have a post-credit scene yeah well if we're saying post because age of ultron has a mid-credit scene but well, not a post-credit sure. scene yeah but you know ger- yeah, cred- yeah, yeah. you wouldn't I, I, you would if, yeah. if you I didn't know, know what a post-credit scene was you wouldn't even mention the credits if you're describing the scene from yeah, yeah, yeah. from incredible hulk um so uh thunderbolt thaddeus thaddeus thunderbolt ross is drinking at a bar and then uh, a mysterious figure shows up and it's tony stark it's tony stank tony stark and he says we're putting a team together Hmm. now something very interesting happened to me (laughs) i saw um a short film uh so there's the short film the consultant so marvel do these one-shot films which were which are canon and they don't usually involve like main characters but included with thor is uh one called the consultant and found this very interesting i said i was going to tell you about it so it's because thor 
Iron Man 2 and The Incredible Hulk all take place in the same week. And mm. um, they're, they're all, like, kind of happening concurrently. But the consultant is about um, Agent Coulson, who is an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and also um, Agent Jasper Sitwell, mm-hmm. who's another agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., but he ends up being a bad guy or whatever. Um Talking about the Avengers Initiative, and they're like, "Oh, the higher ups above Shield, they real want um, Blonsky for the Avengers." And they're like, "Wait, but what about that whole mess he made of like downtown New York or whatever?" And they were like, "Oh, they've blamed that on Bruce Banner." Hmm. So the government thinks that Bruce Banner's evil and Blonsky, the abomination, yeah, um, is the good guy. So like, you need to get him on the Avengers, and then they go, "Oh, well." Like, do you reckon Ross would let us have him? And they're like, nah, we can't. It's like, well, we need to officially extend this invitation. And they go, okay, well, then what can we do? They're like, what if we send someone so annoying that um, Thunderbolt, that Ross will definitely say no to him? And then they're like, okay, but who can we find that's that annoying? And then it cut to Tony Stark walking to the bar and being like, we're putting together a team. Wow. So, so he's actually referring to- He's actually asking for Blonsky, knowing that he'll say no to him. And then that that's why in like the Avengers, that kind of scene, you know, that he hasn't been asked to join the team and yeah. all that shit. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. Huh? Yeah, that's really cool. That's a that's good uh that's a good retcon. You know? Yeah. We've talked about bad retcons it, before. That's actually a really a, good one. Yeah, it's a funny little joke. just being like like, oh look Um, something else that I like about what in this interim between um, Incredible Hulk and Iron Man 2 uh, that I don't think this appears in any other MCU actually no it does appear in in Iron Man 2 but I'll I'll just say it now anyway Um, is so we talk a lot about titles on this uh, podcast and we're yep. not going to do that right now but when we do talk about titles sometimes we talk about what I've I've coined a title bomb where they say the name of the movie in the movie um I say I've coined it that because no one else calls it a title bomb and while I think that makes me cooler I think the rest of the world just disagrees um but <laughs> so so early superhero movies in more early Early new superhero movies, right? So starting Mid-2000s, from yeah. Spider-Man onwards or whatever, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, they did a similar thing to title bombs where they find an in-universe reason for these characters to have these absurd monikers they go by. And they're treated very much like a title bomb. You know what I mean? Mm. So in Iron Man, there's a part where... Obadiah Stane says to Tony, we're Iron Mongers, Tony, you know? And mm. that's his villain's name, is Iron Monger. And it's yeah. not it's not really done he doesn't call himself Iron Monger when he's when he's done mm. this. And the earliest example I can think of this is in um in The Dark Knight when uh, Harvey Dent is referred to as having a nickname when he outed all of his, like, the the dirty cops. And then and when he first mentions that he has he had, I heard I had a different name down at um, the Gotham City Police Department. Yeah, it's, like, my least favourite part of that movie. Oh, real? And then... It's so, it's so on the nose. Like, it's, it, it's like, 
someone came and looked at the script and was like, no, you have to get him to say Two-Face. And they'd already shot the entire movie and they only had that one scene they could put it in. <laughs> so, yeah, so what I'm talk- what, what happens later on is when he get, becomes Two-Face, he's like, what was that name they had for me down at the precinct? And he's like, Harvey Two-Face. And like, yeah, sure. But but it still is and interesting. he's like, say that again. <laughs> to, to see how they... Um, because when you make a movie, you are dealing with an inherently more realistic portrayal than a comic book. And so in a comic book, you can call all your characters these funny, wacky names, and that's just the world we accept. Whereas in a movie that's grounded in reality, it's harder to accept that. So in in Incredible Hulk, we get it twice when um, two witnesses are describing when they saw Hulk like around the university when he like when had a big Hulk fight smash, yeah, yeah where, where, where they no it's before that when they're talking about him and they say like he was like this huge hulk and that's the first time you hear the word hulk in the movie and then later mm. it says hulk smash but then also when um, no, but i'm saying the students saw hulk smash yeah anyway. yeah right right when um blonsky is asking samuel stearns to inject him with the the gamma stuff or whatever it is he's like that would be an abomination and again it's like these are ways where because uh, the abomination the character while he may have like a longer life in the ongoing comic series he's only in these movies once and he's presumably gone afterwards so you know yeah. it's it's like a way to be like here is um the the cosmic way in which this character is referred to by the name and it happens again in iron man 2 with war machine but i don't remember it happening anywhere else in the series after iron man 2 but i could be wrong Mm. speaking of iron man 2 what's that we're gonna talk about it right now oh my gosh iron man 2 came out 2010 so they skipped 2009 so interestingly 2009 is the only uh, year without an avengers mcu film sorry yeah and it's also in in keeping with what i said before about phase one being the most inconsistent of all the um phases uh this is the only phase where we get a sequel you know, a straight up sequel to a character, a character's movie in the mm-hmm. same phase as the original. So interesting. Iron Man is the only character. You, did you not know that? I thought that that would have that would have come to your mind immediately. Maybe I'm the yeah. only one who thinks about this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Iron Man um, Two is the only time we get the first and second, or the you know any yeah. form of that in a, in a phase. Very cool. Which I guess makes sense when he's your your um money money bag character your honey pot you probably want yeah. to like keep reminding people he's there yeah mm. uh so aj mm. what is iron man toi about all right so tony stark is hard at work trying to defend his iron man technology as his personal property from the u.s government insisting that the technology is years away from being in the hands of america's enemies unfortunately with the help of a rival tech mogul and national traitor named justin hammer the technology is replicated by ivan vanko or whiplash who is a jilted russian physicist and ex-con who wants revenge on the star on stark industries for firing and ruining the life of his once employed father is that correct? Is the that sound yeah. good? Yeah. 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 Just, this, and you mentioned Justin Hammer. Yeah. This is a, I feel like Iron Man 2 is one of the hardest. It's it's one of the most um, interim feeling MCU yeah, films. Yeah, because it's it's part sequel to Iron Man 2 and yeah. part prequel to the Avengers. Yeah. Like it's the, it does the most kind of setup work. Yeah. Um, and so as a result, it does feel kind of messy and a lot of people consider it to be Quite bad. What do you, what do you reckon it has on Rotten Tomatoes? 
Uh, it'll be higher than Incredible Hulk, wouldn't it? So maybe like mm-hmm. 70. 73. Yeah. Um, so, but it is the third lowest ranked. Um, wow. So it's, there's only two films ranked worse than it. One of them is The Incredible Hulk. So uh, I ranked this 15th on my overall Marvel ranking. One. Yep. I ranked, uh, I keep clicking on the Redux one, which we're saving till the end. Mm. Um, I ranked this 13th. So one above Incredible Hulk. Um, yeah. But that being said, I actually quite like this movie. Yes, yeah, so, so do I. So do I. It's it's got. Um, I want to say it's one of the. It's it's it feels toe and hand in hand with something like Civil War for me. <laughs> with in, in terms of toe and hand, and <laughs> um, with something like Civil War for me in terms of like Marvel m- Marvel films that are about bureaucracy. <laughs> like it's right, it, yeah. it's it's a very grown up movie. It's a movie that that has a lot of adult things in it. And similar, like how like Phantom Menace is about trade federations, Ugh. like I- Iron Man Two is about an arms race. You know, like yeah. it's it's a, it's. I think this is a very cool, very cool yeah. movie, very interesting um, movie. I-, I think I think it definitely is messy, and it's not as good as the first one. No, but there's so much good stuff in this film. Yeah, like there's so many because because we were messaging each other and Rowan while watching this, mm. and there were so many times where I'm like, fuck, this bit's cool. Yeah. And, um, yeah, but I think the film as a whole is probably not as good as the sum of its parts. Uh, mm-hmm. We do get introduced to Black Widow in this film, Scarlett mm-hmm. Johansson's character, mm-hmm. um, who's only, like, 24 in this movie, which is insane. Wow. Or, like, 25. Wow. That's fine. She's so successful. <laughs> what do you mean? Like she's in the Iron <laughs> no, Man. I'm I know what you mean. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, she she wasn't always going to play her as well. Oh, a little wow. fun thing. So uh, I've heard that we've talked about this before. I think we may have. Yes, when we talked when we did our like actors who haven't been cast yet. But basically, like Emily Blunt signed a one of those deals where it's like your next three films will be with like whatever company, and um, so she got the call from Marvel. They're like, we want you to play Black Widow. And then she was like, oh, can I please get out of my contract? And they were like, no. And just for asking, you're going to star-, star in Gulliver's Travels. Wow. So she did Gulliver's Travels instead of playing Black Widow on the MCU. Poor poor thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Scarlett Johansson's pretty good in it, though. So I don't know oh, if, it's, yeah. if it's a tragedy. She's very and- successful. <laughs> um, yeah. So what is there to say about this film? What, like, what is, the- what is it that you-, that you like about it? Um, the, I don't know, rather than just be like, I don't know, other than being like, oh, this scene's cool. This scene's cool. This scene's real cool. <laughs> um, I do want to say as well, one thing, what do you think of the Spider-Man cameo in this film? So that's, um, one of the kids. Yeah. We, there's when, a kid who has an Iron Man helmet on who. Yeah. All the, all the drones break loose and they're trying to kill everyone. Yeah. And there's little kids wearing an Iron Man mask and he, um, puts his hand up as, to iron man the drone and then the real iron man stands next to him and blows him up yeah and um kevin feige who's the the head of the mcu john watts who directed spider-man homecoming and tom holland who would eventually play spider-man in the mcu have all confirmed that that kid is spider-man i don't know it's 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 a hard thing to have any strong feelings about, I guess. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. It's I've spoken at length about, like, I, I'm not a huge fan of it, because, and I've spoken at length about how I feel about, like, Word of God canon. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so- Yeah, canon that's not backed up in 
in the story itself. So for this to be proper canon, the next Spider-Man movie would have to acknowledge that this yeah, little yeah, yeah. kid If is, he was like, oh, I remember at Stark Expo when you saved my life or whatever, yeah. that would be fine. But yeah, I don't like when uh, people are just like, oh, yeah. I mean, if it's like subtext, that's okay. Yeah. But when they're like, oh, sure, this fan theory is right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so if I am to, if I was to put into words why it's not go- as good as Iron Man 1, and it's interesting because I'd, I've seen Iron Man 1 so many times that watching Iron Man 2, which I've seen maybe twice for this, for this podcast, I was, and part of me was like, this is new or this feels new. So therefore part of me was tempted very briefly to be like, Iron Man two is better than Iron Man one, but it's, it's not. It's not. And I can, I can <laughs> tell it's not. And I, but I think it comes down to just that unfocused nature of it, that it's about so many different things and it's juggling yeah. so many different balls and putting on so many different hats, yeah. but it is a very good way to sequel the Iron Man story. And, I think that it's, it feels like it's been a while since we've talked about this, but like one of my favorite um, underrated, no one thinks it's better than the first one except for me sequels is Ghostbusters 2, which I remember I can, I can, I can write a thesis on why Ghostbusters 2 works as a sequel um, in terms of like what a sequel should do. But the probably the purest example of, of a good sequel I think out there is, is Spider-Man 2 and how people talk about why Spider-Man 2 is good because it it builds on what the first one sets up in every way and it's like this is where we left our character at the end of the first one and then the second one is an exploration of that character further through further struggles and interesting dilemmas that you would face being that character. And I think... Iron Man 2 does really good with this. I think it is logical that something like the US government would try and privatize um, Iron Man's technology, you know, and and things like that. And I think it is interesting to see Tony Stark become kind of an alcoholic throughout it. And, like, I I really like that scene where he's DJing in the Iron Man suit and he's drunk. And it's like, these are really cool ways of seeing... Uh, the Tony Stark character in Crisis, as mm-hmm. I kind of talked about before, I think because I enjoy watching the Tony Stark character in unfamiliar situations, seeing him be um, a drunk mess is one of those situations. Like one of my favorite shots of this movie is when he's hanging out inside the giant donut statue on yeah, top it's, of the donut. Yeah, it's not just your favorite. It's the best shot in the movie. Yeah, and it's it's like this is what Iron Man 2 is. It's about a man who's who's losing. Hanging out in the donut. Yeah, <laughs> he's losing things. He's losing what's what makes him special. And the if Iron Man one's kind of philosophy or mantra was "I am Iron Man," I am the I am going to stand in the face of everything I've built and become a protector of the world instead of an attacker of the world. Then Iron Man two is the logical follow through of that line of thought. That when you deem yourself as a private protector you lose you will get attacked by the government for it and you will have your technology um tried to try to be replicated by competitors and you uh, that will take a personal toll yeah and so i think it's i think it's a good movie i, I straight up think iron man 2 is a, a, a really yeah, good I, sequel. I, I love iron man 2 yeah um i yeah it, it's so i guess what you're saying is don't don't do those things Iron Man did, because those things will happen. What do you mean? Don't don't make an iron suit. <laughs> the government will come after it. 
I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying that that with with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> yeah, and, no, actually, and, yeah. and uh, Iron Man Two is the uh, the Tony Stark equivalent of Spider Man Two. Yeah, uh, but I, I think the main thing this one messes up is it, it's very much is the prequel to the Avengers stuff because it's like an hour into the film, Nick Fury shows up and he's like, "Hey, we've got some setup to do for the Avengers." Yeah, you know, like the film's not about that until then. It's like how the Hobbit three is clearly like the rest of the Hobbit. Like mm. this, this feels the 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 Iron Man two is like a casserole <laughs> of yeah. your of the, your last last night's last few nights dinners, you know. And you've got to you've this is important, so we've got to put it somewhere, and it's too big for a post credit scene. So uh, we got to put it in one of the <laughs> movies as main plot because really the only place that that scenes like that belong is in, in an avengers movie but we hadn't got one yet so yeah 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 um one thing i always find weird about this film is that justin thoreau wrote it yeah <laughs> like justin thoreau the the actor from he's in leftovers um he was he's the master code breaker and the last jedi is a tiny cameo on that um louis thoreau's cousin Right? Yeah, what's what's like his biggest claim to fame? I guess he's Jennifer Aniston's partner. Yeah, he's, a, he's a he's an actor, I guess. Um, I, I don't think no, if he has had a big claim to fame, I don't think he's that famous. But, yeah, but like when you say like Justin Thoreau, you'd be like Justin Thoreau from mm. um, yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, he he wrote it. He'd written Tropic Thunder, and uh, Robert Downey Jr. was like, "Oh, you should hire this guy." So that's, that that's how he got the job. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Shane Black gave some advice on the script. Apparently, oh, cool, Shane yeah. Black who. Wrote and direct. Did he write Iron Man three? He directed yes, Iron Man yeah. three and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah, and the nice guys and the Predator. Yeah. The Predator. Uh, but yeah, also the speaking of um, because there's the Spider Man cameo. There's a few cameos in this film. Mm. Elon Musk just shows up randomly, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, "Oh, I've got a great idea for like an electric jet or something." Yeah, and it's like Elon, what are you doing, mate? <laughs> and then DJ AM says, "Well, Adam oh, Goldstein." Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, he's in this, uh, and he died in a plane crash between filming it and it coming out. I think that the reason Justin Thoreau writing it is such an interesting thing is because it's rare now that like an actor will contribute to a film at, at a, from a creative standpoint and it be as kind of critically unremembered as <laughs> as yeah. Iron Man 2. You know, like Jordan Peele wrote Get Out and it was like this revolutionary uh, sure. social thriller and like, you know, even Ben, the movies Ben Stiller have, have written have been like, yeah. oh, wow, Ben Stiller was capable of, of that and like, you know, you know what I mean, that kind of thing and this is an example or, or um. Camille Nanjani writing The Big Sick. Yeah. Or Bo well, Burnham writing Eighth Grade. It's it's when you have a recognizable name in the acting world turn to writing, more often than not, you're impressed by it. And with Justin Thoreau writing Iron Man 2, because it's such an unnotable movie in the grand scheme of things, it's like the strange little piece of trivia about it. Yeah. I also this. I think as well, probably the other reason it's weird is that he's not in it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, for sure. Um, yeah, or he doesn't direct um, it or whatever. He yeah. was in Mulholland Drive. Yeah, he was. Um, and yeah, he's in. A, he's in quite a lot actually. He's yeah. the evil DJ in um, Zoolander, which yeah. he also wrote. I'm pretty sure. Or he go. wrote the second one at least. Yeah, he oh, wrote good. the second one. He's real and good at it, writing sequels. <laughs> yeah, well, he's real, bit, real good at writing like bad sequels. <laughs> <laughs> not that this is that bad of a movie. Yeah, but critically not beloved. Um, hmm. So I guess we move on now. It feels like we spoke of this podcast could be very long. If you haven't looked at how long it's got to go, mm. 
don't because you'll just be freaked out. You'll and stop listening. They're only going to get longer, these <laughs> these MCU ones. <laughs> so we, next we up- did the, We did the maths before and- if, if if phase three is as long as we're anticipating. It's going to be like six hours long. <laughs> and part of us love the idea of releasing a six hour podcast. So yeah. fucking strap in. Strap on in. Strap on. Very good. Very, very sexy. <laughs> um, Imagine like your wife comes out. It's your wedding night. And she's dressed in this lingerie and it's like real hot. And you're like, very sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, AJ, I think you need to be more aware of um, how racy you're being. How racist I'm being. (laughs) How racy you're being. Oh, right. Of how How far is too far versus. Sorry. Sorry, uh, iTunes reviewers. We (laughs) shouldn't make fun of them. They gave us a review. We'll be discussing that. Oh, we've already discussed that. This <laughs> Whoops! There's a there's a fun podcast blooper. Is that we've recorded this episode uh, before last week's ep- the episode you would have been listening to last week. So, um, whoopty frickin' do whoopty do. That's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> um, so, next movie that came out was Thor. Came out in mm. 2011, and this film is another one that's a lot of people shit all over. Mm-hmm. You being one of those people. Yeah. Um, and You're this is directed by movie. Kenneth Brenner. And uh, what's it about, mate? Okay, so Thor is a Norse god living in Asgard who is stripped of his signature hammer. You say this like it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's true. not not ridiculous, but you're just like, um, Thor's a Norse god? <laughs> You say that was such a moment of cognitive dissonance because I said something that is ridiculous or fantastical, and you're like, you say that's like it's ridiculous, and I was like, yeah, and I, then I, my heart was like, but it, it is ridiculous, <laughs> like, it, it is, it is like fantastical. Yeah, but I, mean, I, guess I guess I mean you, like you're not treating it with respect. Yeah, no, like or or the a Norse god would live in Asgard. Like that's not ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Thor obviously is a Norse god living in Asgard. Um and he is stripped of his signature hammer Mjolnir and Mjolnir and banished to earth by his father slash king Odin after trying to reignite a dormant war with the ice giants. Uh, while banished, however, Thor's evil brother Loki discovers he's actually an ice giant himself and Frost was giant. taken by Odin as a baby and tries to take over Asgard. Uh, while making friends and lovers on Earth, Thor discovers his brother's evil plot and returns to Asgard to defeat him and prove his worth. Very cool. Very sexy, AJ. Yeah, very sexy. Um, yeah, so what do you reckon this had on the old RT? Um, 71. 77. So it's oh, the fifth lowest. Iron Man 2. Yep. Fuck off. Um, it's not as good as Iron Man 2. Straight up. And I ranked Thor 16th. One below Iron Man 2. I ranked Thor 19th. Third to last. <laughs> this Again, I want to reemphasize this is my old ranking when I'd seen Thor once. And my relationship with seeing the first Thor movie was the Avengers was coming out and me and my friends hadn't seen Thor or Captain America. So we watched them both in one day in a hot bedroom. Like my, we had to watch them on the TV in my bedroom during the day. And it was real hot. And so, mm. you know what I mean? Like it was it's, real hot. It was real hot. Very dude. hot. It was very <laughs> sexy. Um, and so 
Thor, I think Thor is a boring movie at the best of times. It's a thawing movie. It's a thawing movie at the at the best of times. And to watch it in that environment didn't didn't help it much. So maybe it'll be ranked higher this time, but who knows? Interesting. Uh yeah, I so I had a very similar experience. So I didn't see Iron Man 2, Thor, or Captain America in the cinema. Mm-hmm. And I distinctly remember driving in a car past Rickett and Mall talking about um, the Avengers versus Dark Knight Rises, which were both coming out in the same year, and saying, I'm not really even excited for the Avengers. Like, I probably I don't even know if I'll see the Avengers because I haven't seen the last few. And, like, it just looks too, like, light and colorful, whereas, like, you know, I'm about the dark grit of something mm. like the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. And- um, but then I was going to go to the Avengers anyway on, say, like a Saturday after it came out. And then uh, my friend cancelled. And so I was like, fuck, I'm just going to go buy all of Phase 1 on Blu-ray. And then I just went and bought like the five Blu-rays and watched Thor and Captain America uh, before going to see them. And I was like, why do people tell me not to see these? Like, these are real good. I, I really like the first Thor. I think it's like it, it's objectively the weakest in phase one, I think. Right. Yeah. But I'd agree with that. it's um, there's so much I like about it. Like, I love the idea of like, uh, you know, Marvel, they, they often claim, you know, their films are like genre films. So the one you often hear is like uh, the Winter Soldier is a political thriller or like Ant-Man's a heist movie. And I really like the idea of. And and they, and they do this this every now and then, and less so nowadays. But I love the idea of um, treating Thor as a Shakespearean drama, and getting and and getting Kenneth Branagh to direct it. Yeah, and I like that too. And I think I think it's just an, I don't I don't have any problem with like the the description. If I was to read everything that this movie is about, I don't think I necessarily have a problem with it. But it's the execution because what. What would have been one of my favorite moments in the MCU isn't earned, I feel. And that's the end of the film. Um, Thor des- destroys the, the Bifrost, which the is rainbow like bridge, yeah. the Rainbow Bridge, the link to Earth, which in doing, and he does it to defeat Loki, but in doing so, he's basically sacrificing his chance to ever see Natalie Portman's character again. With mm. Jane Foster. Who he fell in love with over the last 48 hours. Yeah. And that's my problem with this movie is that if they had, if they had got something like, like Mark Webb, who directed 500 Days of Summer and the two Amazing Spider-Man movies, mm. say what you want about Amazing Spider-Man 2, but the chemistry between Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield in that movie is exceptional. And the love story built is exceptional. Yeah. And- but that's, that's also um, due to the actors as well, because- they yeah, were dating but whatever like and a good yeah, good yeah. actors should be able to be good enough right yeah. and so my problem is is that i did not at all buy the love story so for thor's like distinctly shakespearean sacrifice of you know giving mm. up ever seeing the woman he's in love with for the greater good it it was it was a swing and a miss for me because i didn't care about their relationship if i cared about their relationship my god i would have loved this movie yeah, but man. i didn't uh, yeah i think and that's that's heavily due to Natalie Portman wanting to be anywhere else except the set of this film. Right. Um, like, she, she's one of the actors, because there's a few we'll probably cover as we get to them, but actors that have come out and said, I hated being in a Marvel film. Right. Um, they, they don't like doing, you know, 
big budget movies for whatever reason and it really 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 shows i think i think nelly portman delivers a terrible performance even worse in the sequel um and not having her in the third movie is one of the greatest decisions marvel's ever made um not that i think she would have come back anyway but yeah it's um and then cat dennings as her sidekick is just annoying Selvig's quite good. I quite like Alexander Skarsgård. Stalin um, Skarsgård. Stalin Skarsgård, sorry. Alexander Skarsgård almost played Thor. Fun fact. Oh, well, um, yeah. But yeah, Stalin Skarsgård, he, he's quite good. He, he's quite- Yeah. And there's there's a very good scene when they get drunk together and then um, Thor comes home with um, Selvig over his shoulder and they're like, well, oh my God, what happened? He's like, we drank, we fought, he made his ancestors proud. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> um, Yeah. Yeah. And I-, I the character of Thor has probably been the one that's gone through the most change in the mm. MCU. Like you look at him in this to, um, you know, something like Thor Ragnarok or um, Infinity War. But and he's also been in the least movies of all, of the like original, yeah, headlining cast. Yeah, and oh no, Hulk's been in less. Right. I kind of don't count him <laughs> in, in, tr- in distinct in distinct uh, Incredible Hulk styles. I don't really count the Incredible Hulk himself. As <laughs> Edward being. Norton's being in the least. Um, but <laughs> the, yeah. the big the big three, I feel you'd agree, are Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America. They're the McDonald's, Burger King, and KFC of the Marvel <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, yeah. The design of the character isn't amazing his blonde eyebrows his blonde ah! eyebrows which kevin feige has said is his biggest regret in the mcu wow. um but it's like the bat nipples of the mcu <laughs> yeah yeah uh, i do um yeah there's a lot i really like about this movie i love the dutch tilts everyone hates them i love the the, the look of this right. film and uh yeah i love the fish out of water stuff there's a lot of good comedy Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. and hmm. that um i like this drink another and then he smashes, smashes the mug on. that's that's a that's a classic gag yeah and the one where he goes <laughs> to the pet shop and he's like i need a horse and he's like we've got d- birds and cats and dogs he's like they require one of those large enough to ride hmm. it's a very good line i've got a proclamation to make about the and mcu as a whole not just phase one and i was gonna save it but i might as well say it here right. the middle the of our discussion about thor's is good sh- place no, it's any. about it's about thor okay yeah. when i reflect on my favorite mcu movies i think i've no- noted a common theme in them and that's uh my favorite mcu movies for the most part are the ones where it's either a a silly quote unquote char- main character in a serious story or or a serious movie or a serious character in a quote unquote silly story all right mm. and so the reason i like I, the iron man movies so much is because he's a character who doesn't take life seriously in in stories where he's got a 
act very seriously, you know? And yeah. something like Thor Ragnarok is my favorite Thor movie and one of my favorite MCU movies because Thor is a serious character or a character who takes himself seriously in a silly story. And the reason Thor doesn't quite work for me, I think, is because it's okay. a serious character in a serious movie. Interesting, yeah. I, I can I can I can believe that. Mm. Um but yeah, this film again does a lot of setting up for Avengers and stuff like that. So we see Colson again. Um yeah. and I like when Thor calls him son of Cole. <laughs> um but yeah, we meet Hawkeye for the first time. Yep. Uh, he has a small little cameo in this film. Um one fun bit of um Marvel Comics trivia. Do you know about he he uses the alias uh Dr. Donald Blake? Yeah, at one point was, and yeah. um which is natalie portman's ex-boyfriend and he like takes his wears his clothes right. um well now jane foster i should say not natalie portman <laughs> um and you know about do- who dr donald blake is do you want me to give a go explaining it and you can correct me yes so donald blake is thor's like secret identity essentially he's his bruce wayne yeah. because the original thor in the comics like fa- finds milner and turns into Thor. So when he's not Thor, he's Donald Blake. Is that correct? Yeah. And um, if he throw, if he's not holding his hammer for more than like thirty seconds, he turns back into Doctor Donald Blake. Yeah. So, which is pretty dumb for a character whose main move is throwing his hammer <laughs> really far. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, but so this was when. Thor came out when they were trying, when it was very clear what they were trying to do with setting yeah, up a universe. That's what I was going to say. And so, um, you know, casting Iron Man, casting The Incredible Hulk was a bit more like casting a normal kind of movie, whereas casting Thor and Captain America were really like, these people have to be the face of our franchise for the next yeah. decade, you know? Yeah. And so, Chris Hemsworth wasn't necessarily their first choice. Do you know, guess who their first choice was? Uh, Mark Ruffalo. No, he's been in a French. He's been in a film we've covered very recently on this podcast. Um, Paul Giamatti. <laughs> no, uh, Barry Bostwick. <laughs> one more episode back. <laughs> Barry Bostwick. Frankie Muniz. Yeah. Um, uh, one episode back. Daniel Craig. Yes. Ah, very interesting. Yeah. Or couldn't could not see him. Yeah. He, he's interesting right? and then uh, apparently uh, Channing Tatum and Triple H the wrestler were talked about and I'm not I familiar remember- with Triple H's work but Channing Tatum yeah. is the, says the same BDE as, as Chris Hemsworth so. <laughs> but yeah um, I remember when uh, a guy I was studying with in 2011 had he was a big fan of comic books and he said like Chris Hemsworth's too small they need someone like Triple H um, which is interesting because they that like you know or like John Cena would be the the yeah. you know as someone who gave Robert Downey Jr. shit for being too old, I feel like I can't criticize him saying yeah. That. <laughs> but uh, apparently Charlie Hunnam, Tom Hiddleston, Alexander Skarsgård, and Joel Kinnaman all tested, and you can see Tom Hiddleston's screen test um, the a clip of it online as Thor. Yeah, as Thor, Holy he's got the cow. long blonde hair and he's throwing Mjolnir up into the sky. Um, oh, and I cannot then, see that he's he works so well as being like a snidely, I know, I know. sneaky man. Um, and Liam Hemsworth got a call back, uh, and Chris Hemsworth didn't, but then Chris Hemsworth ended up getting the part um, <laughs> somehow. Marvel um, just like fucking with with siblings and like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> making yeah. them angry at each other. And then um, 
For Loki, now this is very interesting. Apparently, at one point, Alan Cumming was set to reprise his role from Son of the Mask. <laughs> no, he wasn't. <laughs> uh, nah, but when they were developing oh. a Thor film, uh, Jim Carrey was the favourite for Loki. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Tom Hiddleston's so good. That's that's interesting because of the obvious connections to the to the mask there. Yeah. That Jim well, Carrey yeah, plays. Jim Carrey was the favorite for Loki, but that could be like people on Twitter being like, "Oh, wouldn't it be funny yeah, yeah. if Jim Carrey because he plays Loki?" And, and- yeah, he essentially plays Loki yeah. in the mask. Um, yeah, very interesting. I think. God, imagine if if Alan Cumming returned and then the mask is like unofficially set in the MCU. <laughs> son <laughs> of the so mask. F- son of the mask, specifically. Um, yeah, can we talk about Tom Hiddleston? Uh, no. Okay. Um, so that yeah, no, go for it. <laughs> what? Tom Hiddleston is often, or at least Tom Hiddleston's Loki, is often referred to as, like, Marvel's only good villain for ages. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Because Marvel have a villain, uh, had a villain I would problem. agree that he was referred to as that for ages, yes. Yes. Um, I, what's so good about him? I, I'm not disagreeing. I just need, a, I need some convincing. Well, the other thing about Loki, well, okay, so one, Tom Hiddleston's, very charming. He's a he's a fan favorite of of Tumblr girls and and stuff like that. Um, he plays a very charming villain. He's very um, put together, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which is always like quite cool to see. But also, he was given. Um, so he was in Thor, then wasn't in Captain America, then was in the Avengers, then wasn't in Iron Man three, and then was in Thor: The Dark World. So across five films, he had three of those two you know prove himself as a great villain and yeah. so of course the one that has three times as long to yeah. pad itself out is going to be the best the most well-developed one yeah um so yeah for a long time he was the the most well-developed villain and the, and it's and out of all the phase one villains yeah he's the one i would bring back for the avengers as well because he was played really well good chemistry between the two and hmm. I, I guess the kind of um the like trickery sort of side of it as well works really well um as in terms of like villainy that it's not straight up villainy it's kind of a bit more fun than that it's also a kind of like like i feel like in in towards phase three marvel cracked into um making all their villains sympathetic so in other words when you know what motivates the lead villains you kind of agree with it or you at least understand why they are the way they are and i feel like loki is Kind of a precursor to that. He's already kind of a dick to begin with, but then he finds out that he's actually adopted yeah. and gets upset. So, yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so that's all I have to say about that. Mm. Fair enough. Uh, yes. I mean, I guess we'll just move on to Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, we're getting through these ones a lot quicker than we got through the first two. Yeah. And the mule. <laughs> um so the mule is my favorite mcu phase one film (laughs) the mule um the mule nor (laughs) (laughs) meow meow uh so captain america the first avenger came out 2011 as well and it was directed by joe johnston who um did the rocketeer that was kind of Mm -hmm. like his audition for this was uh that and what's this one about mate 
All right, so Steve Rogers is a very small but very determined do-gooder during 1940s America who manages to become a soldier in World War II by agreeing to be genetically altered with gamma rays. Is that right? It's the same stuff that got the Hulk, right? Uh, well, the Hulk is was them attempting to recreate Captain America. Yeah. Uh, after becoming a super soldier and donning the mantle of Captain America, which is a whole thing that we'll get into after I describe the story, um, <laughs> he goes to bat- into battle with uh, Red Skull, who's a similarly genetically altered Nazi, who is trying to get his hands on a powerful artifact that can conquer the world. Do they call it the Tesseract in this film? Yes. Yes, okay. So he's trying to, he's got, trying to get the Tesseract or utilize the Tesseract or whatever it is. Um, after they can make defeating- weapons out of it. Yeah, yeah. After defeating Red Skull, Cap sacrifices himself by flying a plane into the ice to prevent it from blowing up New York. Uh, he is then frozen and rediscovered and, and thawed uh, 70 uh, years later. Very cool. Which very one of these sexy. is called Thor? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so what do you reckon this has on RT? This would be one of the higher in, uh, phase one films, I think. Interesting. So what do you reckon it has? Maybe like. 80 uh, 80 it is 80 i did it <laughs> um so just, all it's my the, whole life i've just wanted to be like you richard and now <laughs> here i am um it's the sixth lowest rated film in the mcu fuck um Sick so that it's at phase, 80. That's so phase one has the second third fifth and sixth lowest uh, rated films um and also like the yeah the, the, sorry, sorry you said the second so it's yeah. like high highs and lows basically yeah um but it's uh captain america is the third highest rated one in in phase one yeah um so where uh, have you put it on your ranking i very good point i put it ninth i put it 18th so i enjoyed it more than thor yeah this captain america the first so Let's talk about what we thought of them, because <laughs> Captain America, the first Avenger is Thor. I like more than most people, but Captain America, I fucking love. I I love the. To me, this is the most underrated MCU film, uh, whereas right. Thor is just like, give it another try. It's not too bad, you know, whereas like Captain America is like, this is actually a real good film. And yep. uh, I don't know. Can't describe why. It's <laughs> good podcast content um, then, isn't it? No, let me let me think about it. So I, I like you for a long time, uh Tony Stark was the only character I cared about. And that's why mm-hmm. I didn't really care about seeing um Thor and Captain America in the cinema. And now in my rewatch, Steve Rogers, Captain America has almost overtaken Tony as like my favorite character. Um, I I like the scene, the the fact that he's just a guy who really knows the difference between right and wrong, and that yep. he's someone like who's too. the skinny nob. And it's also like, it's it's kind of like I always say this that um, when attractive people are attractive, have been attractive all their life, they've got really horrible personalities because they've never had to make friends; they just get them. Whereas when someone's mm. attractive, but they they puberty hit them really hard you know they they were awkward or an outcast growing up they often develop really good personalities like you know people they're funny or whatever because they had to you know have a personality to make friends um and then it's kind of like that that this steve rogers create like had this really uh really really good character and then 
was given the body and everything to go with it and and the and the not just the body but but the strength to follow through with his own personal beliefs yeah yeah i i definitely liked this more watching it than i did the first time because it wasn't as hot yeah it wasn't as hot and sticky um but the same could not be said for the film itself. Oh my uh, god! No, it's like honestly, the 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 fame, the reveal shot of so he goes in the chamber, he's all scrawny, and then it opens up and he's ripped. That is the fucking sexiest thing in the entire year. It's so hot. I know, but it's it's not treated as funny as it should have been. I feel well. It's it's not even funny. It's just like I know it's not funny, but it's so ridiculous that it should have been played as a joke. Like the the door should have opened, and you just see his like rippling abs and then some like tommy lee jones who's in this film by the <laughs> way is like he needs to be like holy shit well, God damn it. <laughs> that'd have been hilarious yeah. <laughs> um yeah okay what do, what do i think of this film i think thor thor is like not my kind of movie captain america is like this is a cool movie but i'm not gonna write home about right. it like this is this is mid-tier for me like this is like there are some things that i really appreciate about it more i i i think the um so I sort of teased this before when I went through the plot. Like, so he becomes a super soldier, but the army don't want to use him for whatever reason. Yeah. And then they're like, well, why don't you be like a TV spokesperson? So he goes around like different cities being like a propaganda yeah. machine. And that's where he gets the Captain America costume. And that's where he gets the moniker and, and becomes kind of like a symbol for the war without actually fighting in it. Yeah. And then when he tries to do one of his shows for actual soldiers, they chew him out about it because he's not actually doing anything right and at that moment i'm like this is real good this is like this is a really satisfying way to justify how a how a superhero would have such a you know kind of cheesy or ridiculous get up in real life Mm, yeah it's it's probably the mcu's best way at doing that i think best time of of justifying the costume yeah better than captain marvel that's for sure (laughs) um and so I really enjoyed that, and I really liked that with that they found a way to work in um, Golden Age Captain America costume when he's on TV, and then it's not till he uh, becomes an actual soldier that he's wearing like MCU age Captain America costume. So I really like that. I really like the design of Red Skull. He looks as good as he ever could, um, and th- I mean that is a good thing in terms of like how to translate that character from the comics to real life. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I guess in a similar way to Thor, I'm not sold on the love story. Um, it is. Oh, I it love is, the love story. It is one. better in Captain America than it is in Thor. But they, him and Peggy Carter, they don't. They they're supposed to have one of the most famous and enduring love stories of the MCU. So much so that she got her own TV show and that he like bangs her daughter later on in life or whatever. Uh, nice, nice. Um, and but I don't. It doesn't. They they never have. They're always on the verge of starting something that it never gets to a point where it becomes an undying love for me. Yeah, because like, bloody, um, what's her name? Natalie Dormer ruins it. Yeah, yeah. Who's also in this movie. Yeah, true. It's so Stanley um, Tucci. Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel as though that the, the, if I were Steve Rogers, if I were mm. in his situation and this this girl I quite liked was in my life and then I got frozen for 70 years and woke up and that was my new life i feel like peggy would be the last thing on my mind 
I would get over her pretty fast is what I'm saying. I don't think they they fell in love is what I'm saying. Mm, I don't know. I do, like, you think about where Steve has been pre-serum. Yeah. And then now it's the first time. and 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 he did have a crush on Peggy before that and then he got big and then she was like the first girl to show him attention mm. and I think that is quite true to life that it's not I, a very it's not very good though is it no but I, I think it's that, kind of sad. That, that a crush would quite quickly turn into that infatuation yeah and and she it is Hayley Atwell so yeah f- fuck yeah <laughs> oh <my> gosh <laughs> um and yeah I think I, I I really I really dig the love story in this film and I love the the last line of this film. When I first saw it, I was like, "Oh," because he he wakes up in the future and having missed going dancing with Peggy by about seventy years, yeah. and then Samuel Jackson's like, "Oh, is everything alright?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's just I had a date." Imagine asking like someone who's been frozen for seventy years if everything's alright. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> um. I one my favorite scene in this film is between Toby Jones and Tommy Lee Jones. Um, the Tom, Tommy Lee, I feel like Tommy Lee Jones and Anthony Hopkins are like two actors in the MCU that are both kind of above it that you forget we're in it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's well because they're not necessarily above it because they do get some very good actors in the in these films. Yeah, true. But they're like the, the fact that they were in on Phase One. Yeah, like because there's a lot of actors that like by the time he gets to phase three, it's like okay, cool, yeah, like you're getting mm. Annette Bening on board, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, the third biggest star in the world, the, the female Tommy Lee Jones, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but yeah, these ones, it's like it's weird that Tommy Lee Jones would agree to be in Captain America. Yeah, I, I don't know what it seems like. So not his style, you know. A couple years after No Country for Old Men, like his, like this incredibly personal performance of his, and also coming off like having hated doing Batman Forever, where he played Two Face. Yeah, but that's because like, Jim Carrey. Yeah, he could not sanction his buffoonery. Um, that's an actual Tommy Lee Jones quote. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a scene where so Toby Jones is like Red Skull's assistant, and the the good guys capture him, and so Tommy Lee Jones like brings him a steak and tries to get some information out of him and I, I won't like quote it at you but it is it's a very cool scene with some very cool little moments in it that i really enjoy yeah tom lee jones is great in this movie yeah like just his way of speaking is very like fast but like with a southern drawl yeah yeah well yeah. well well if isn't the star spangled man with a plan tell me Ken, what is your plan today <laughs> um uh yeah that's 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 a good observation there aj Thanks, man. Um, so it seems like Captain America was the hardest one to cast. So apparently Marvel originally wanted either Leonardo DiCaprio or Brad Pitt to play um, Captain America. And at one point they even talked about Matthew McConaughey. And one thing that I did was um, I went back on Slash Film, which is the the website I kind of go to for my movie news. And I went back to the articles from like 2009 and 10 when like before they'd been cast, before we kind of knew what was really happening with the MCU and seeing them be like, um, so apparently they want, he will, they want Matthew McConaughey, but he's a shit actor. He's like never been in anything good. And it's like, <laughs> he's so well respected now or was for yeah, a yeah. period of time. He's kind of starting to fall off a little bit. Um, but, uh, I remember as well, one point, um, 
Dane Cook confirmed um, on his Twitter that he auditioned for Captain America. <laughs> um, Kevin and Joe Jonas reportedly auditioned as well, but take that with a grain of salt. Um, but so there was a six actor shortlist um, revealed. Mm-hmm. So they're like, it's we need a car. This was when they're like, Captain America will be cast within the next month. It's down to these six actors. So Scott Porter, who's from Speed Racer, Mike Vogel, the main, the main guy in Cloverfield, uh, Michael Cassidy, who is in Batman v Superman, he's the one who dies at the start. And Zack Snyder was like, "Ha, huh, that was Jimmy Olsen." Um, Patrick Fluger, don't know who that is. Chase Crawford from Gossip Girl, Garrett Hedlund, and John Krasinski. So wow. it's down to them. So one of them will be the Captain America, and then they narrowed that down to because they're like, "Fuck, we've got too many." Uh, they narrowed that down to just Mike Vogel, Garrett Hedlund, Wilson Bethel, Ryan Philippe, Channing Tatum, and Chris Evans. What's that? So they, they, they narrowed it down to the same amount of people, but with new ones added. Yeah. Um, Ryan Philippe, interestingly, is the good cop from Crash. So he almost played another American hero. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah. So the only name on there that kind of, for me, that would have worked would be Leo DiCaprio. I think he's he's the only one I could imagine wearing the suit, I guess. Brad really? Pitt feels, feels real, like a real weird choice Brad Pitt suits it I reckon no I don't think so I think he's too old or was too old even back then oh yeah I guess yeah but um and also uh, John Krasinski I think could have worked yeah maybe the thing is and he's only just starting to now but like as I said before like Robert Downey Jr. is like the top answer for um every like perfect casting thing but like Chris Evans does not get enough credit for how perfect he is as Captain America like managing to Make not only the scrawny Steve for the first half of the movie believable, but then the super sexy buff one believable. And able to make this like this kind of like weenie do good be like a really cool character. Yeah. Yeah. No, I see what you mean. It's yeah. good stuff. I don't, and I, and also the fact that, like, before Captain America, everyone was like, oh, they're getting fucking Johnny Storm from Fantastic Four to play Captain America. He's mm-hmm. going to be terrible. And then he he absolutely nails it. And I'm, yeah, yeah I'm going to be really sad to see him go from the MCU. True. Okay. All right. I agree, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I, I want to be like, yeah, man, he's so, he, he does such a good job. But it's like, in my heart, it doesn't resonate as well as Robert Downey Jr., I guess. But maybe that'll change as I rewatch them all. Yeah, once you actually like pay attention to the Winter Soldier yeah. for the first time. Yeah. All right. So okay. Now, all right. We're in the end game. It's the beginning of the end. It's the end of the beginning. Uh, the Avengers. Marvel's The Avengers is actually the official title. Interesting. Um, but before we do, AJ, I believe you have a good story about Iron Man too. <laughs> we. So we um, we re- we record like an hour at a time of these shows, right? And then we'll pause and have a little break. And before we started recording again, I was like, I didn't tell my Iron Man 2 story. And Richard was like, oh, do you want to tell that story? And I was like, nah, not really. And now he's <laughs> started. So I saw, I, I, I should have told this back when we were talking about it, but <laughs> I saw Iron Man 2 in a... In the movies, this is one of the only Phase One movies I saw at the at the theater. Um, 
but one of the reasons I have such a hard time remembering that movie is because I actually went to it with a a girl uh, and spent most of the movie trying to make out with her. And did you? Kind of. We definitely kissed, but um, when I tried to, uh, what's the delicate way to say this? French it. When I tried to French it, it was uh, not met with a a reciprocation. It was not reciprocated. And so, because, I, you know, obviously I didn't keep trying and failing. Um, but, yeah, so that's that's the how I saw Iron Man 2 for the first time, was very distracted and very uh, preoccupied with something else. It's kind of cursed whenever I've tried to watch the movie again because I don't um, – Remember, remember. I, 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 my ba- my first ever memory of Iron Man Two is not remembering the movie. So now it's now I always forget what it's about before watching it again. Yeah. Oh well. I actually brought that story up, mm-hmm. thinking it'd be like, oh man, and then I was just going to start again this hour. But you told the story, so more power to you. <laughs> you 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 power moved my power move. Yeah, man. Anything for content. <laughs> Anything to establish dominance over you. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so we we have arrived at Marvel's The Avengers, which came out in 2012. Uh, it was directed by Joss Whedon. Mm. And what do you think this is about? What do I think it's about? Yeah. I think it's about uh, the human condition. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, so uh, Loki reemerges, determined to rule over Earth. He steals the Tesseract, which, if properly activated, will allow passage for an army of aliens known as the Chitari that he's kind of been talking to, uh, to come th- come through a, like a w- wormhole and decimate planet Earth in order for Loki to, you know, conquer it from the the scraps. Uh, the Avengers are all more or less assembled to fight against Loki, and after some personal issues, workplace conflicts, and a heartbreaking sacrifice, learn to work together in order to blow up the alien fleet and defeat Loki. Nice. Very, yeah. very well told. Um, yeah, so what do you think this has on the old rotten tees? Like 90? 92. 92. You've been very close with all your guesses. Hell yeah, dude. Um, so it's the fourth highest ranked. And where did you rank this in your MCU ranking? Number one, baby. I fucking love this movie, dude. I ranked it number seven. <laughs> Plot I also twist. Love it. I really love this movie. I love Marvel's The Avengers. Yeah. I love it so much. That's all right, eh? <laughs> and watching it, watching it again for this podcast, I was worried that like my love for it might have gone down. But after like half an hour, I was like, "This is one of the best blockbusters ever made." Like I, I yeah. love the Avengers. So it's much. full of like fuck yeah moments. Yeah, and- it's so good. It's such an enjoyable film. I, I remember, I, I, I am so shocked that this film isn't widely considered to be as much of a landmark as I think it is. Because I remember when I, when I first made that ranking, I got a few people saying that, why would you put Avengers first? They were so mad at me. But it's like, man. The Avengers is like, it is peak generic Marvel. Like, people say it's generic. It's a generic Marvel movie. But it's like, Mm. yeah, but it's that formula operating at its highest capacity. Because all my other favorite Marvel movies, aside from Iron Man uh, 1 are the ones that changed up the formula, that, that spiced it up a bit, whether that's your your Thor Ragnaroks with being a bit silly and a bit funny, or, I don't know, something like, um, 
What's Iron Man three? I'm Iron Man three again, which like a controversial opinion putting that high up the list. Um which, you know, changes things up. Or even Black Panther, where it's like the first one to be serious in a long time. You know, those are some of my favorite Marvel movies. But the Avengers is the is the is the purest Marvel the purest really good Marvel movie. It's the it's yeah. the Mama's secret recipe at it's it's like a perfectly baked apple pie. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's the same thing as yeah, like the first Iron Man you you kind of gloss over, but it's like that it's it's the formula you know and love and this is it's done at the best it's yeah. why the original spider-man still holds up as yeah. well and then it's like this iron man and the avengers iron man is what every you know first movie in a in a superhero franchise is trying to live up to yeah and the avengers is what every team up movie is trying to mm. um live up to and with all the cinematic universes that are starting they all t- say we're going to have an avengers style team up movie only one other franchise that i can think of at least has got into that film and that was the justice league mm. and it was fucking terrible yeah yeah and so it, it, it like only one other film studio has managed to even get to the point to attempt it and they fucked it up yeah. which is a testament to like it's not just like some generic shitty blockbuster that, a stu- that any studio can crap out. Only one's managed to do it, yeah. and that's a really impressive one. And everything about it is such an unlikely win, you know, because when when I, uh, part of, I think, the reason I love this movie so much is because it's one of the best examples of my life where my expectations have been completely wrong for, for a movie because this came out in 2012. And in 2012, we also got... Uh, the Amazing Spider-Man, uh, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, and The Dark Knight Rises. All of those movies, I would have bet money on being better than The Avengers. <laughs> because especially The Dark Knight Rises. Because Even I, even The Amazing Spider-Man? Yeah. No, well, I, I guess Amazing Spider-Man at the very least was like a an unadulterated story, right? Whereas in my mind, like making a movie where, where Thor and tony stark share the screen as like trying to cook a steak with jelly beans like they don't work together i was like they they don't blend together they're such different stories iron man is like a a you know a grounded um techno futuristic based story and thor is like this weird fantasy space adventure captain america is like a war movie i was like none of these are gonna be they're not going to blend together at all and instead of a a steak with jelly beans this movie's more like it's like a buffet it's like a it's like a thanksgiving potluck where Mm -hmm. like everyone's bought something different and you can try a bit of each and like sweet potato casserole has marshmallows on it and that's strange but it tastes real fucking good (laughs) you know like everything what i like about this movie and what people talked about at the time but don't talk about anymore when they talk about marvel and it pisses me off and i'm angry i'm angry richard is that this movie balances the unbalanceable or at at the time what we would have thought was unbalanceable Mm. it was such a it just wasn't a sure bet to me that these movies would meld together on film. Um, yeah. And they did, and it's my favorite. It's still, to at the moment, it's my favorite Marvel movie. Nice. Yeah. Um, and also, like, getting Joss Whedon to direct it, who- Oh, it's so good. Had only directed one film, which was Serenity, the Firefly yeah. kind of follow-up. Yeah. And that was seven years earlier. Um, I think the film- 
it definitely and a lot of people this is one complaint that a lot of people have about the film but it's it's feels very much like it's directed for tv i guess so but even like people say that about the cinematography of marvel movies in in terms of like none of the shots are creative but there's plenty of creative shots in this especially yeah. towards the the final battle at the end there's yeah. like so i mean some i think that's shots. the thing as well that like everything's either a big wide shot or a close-up on someone's face and sure. those are very and so you have this there's the, that is the amazing one shot where it goes between everyone but that looks very good on your tv screen um mm. and also the the entire film almost bar like one or two scenes are like very well lit in the daytime kind of thing whereas you know final battles often have like more shadow and like i'm not complaining about either of these things as well um but it is just very it's it's the superhero movie you can show your grandma you yeah. know it's so i love it's amazing it is so amazing much, man. and it, it's it, it's a massive massive achievement in film that people write off as being a generic blockbuster yeah. but the fact that you think it's a generic blockbuster goes to show how how good of a job they did at balancing yeah. all these things yeah no, I, I absolutely love this movie. It's there's so many iconic moments. The, the there's so many lines I love in it. Like this was, I feel like this was Marvel's first foray into the the quippy nature that they've later been criticized for. Well, that's for. yeah, that's a Joss Whedonism. Like mm. there's there's called uh, there's a TV tropes page for like Whedon speak. And it's right. the way they talk in these movies. And I, how I'm not going to necessarily defend that. Well, I don't necessarily mind it either in later yeah. films. We'll, we'll like, talk about it more in Age of Ultron, I'm sure. Yeah, what, whatever you want to say about weed and speak, this is just the perfect amount of it. Like, it's mm. not... You know, it's it's not like I'm I'm looking past it. I'm saying no, this is an appropriate amount of weed and speak in a film, if we're going to call it that. Um, like yeah, or Buffy speak. Yeah, yeah. The the the. That's my secret cap. I'm always angry. Is mm. such I got fucking chills watching that. Yeah, man. That's such a so if you haven't seen the Avengers, when when Hulk turns it like or the whole movie he's been talking about how how he's managed to keep um Hulk at bay and we never you know he's he he's sometimes about to tell his secret but then he'll get interrupted or whatever and then he's like Mr. Dr. Banner, now might be a good time for you to get angry when when the Chitari invasion's happening. Yeah, it's when the the giant um thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, that's my secret cap. I'm always angry. And he turns into the Hulk. And, oh, it's such a fucking, like, I've, Richard, I've never had sex, but I can't imagine it feels as good <laughs> as watching Hulk <laughs> say that line in that movie. Uh, you know, I was actually, I was thinking about something this morning that I was like, man, it's the best feeling in the world. Actually, do you know what it was? I just remember what it was. It's Hulk. Um, it was- um, it's, That's uh, my secret cap. Getting proven right. <laughs> Being proven right? Yeah. That's gonna, such a thing you would think about. Like in I, yeah, I know. It's such a me thing to say. I was going to post a status about it just being like, man, getting proven right is actually- Being right is actually the best feeling in the world. Um. And that's that's I've started saying that as my greatest weakness in job interviews and stuff that I value being right over almost everything else. Mm. And I don't, th- I don't I don't know. I really think there's a problem with it. <laughs> anyway. I think there there are inerrant problems that could arise from yeah, it. Yeah, there are problems that could arise from it and that I seem like a dick. But Well, and and sometimes you're not right and you're w- not willing to back down. Yeah. Yeah, well exactly. Well, actually that's never happened. But um <laughs> Yeah, so 
like yeah speaking of iconic moments it's, it's kind of a weird thing because the marvel cinematic universe is this it's kind of like the simpsons and that it's and that it's like it's just this part of our lives now you know and yeah. a lot of people do hate on it but like that 360 shot where it shows all the other our six heroes yeah there is and the music like swells up yeah like, like da, da, we da, don't da. get like there, there is a bias towards older films, but that has to be one of the most iconic shots in film history. And that, like that shot, sums up this decade of of films. I reckon. Agreed. And I mean, like, there might be something that outdoes it in Avengers Endgame, and I'm anticipating there will be a version of that shot, but with a lot more heroes. Mm. Um, but it's like, yeah, that that is the 2010s cinema, regardless of whether you like it or not. Yeah, that that sums up. Yeah, you don't decade. have a choice. Yeah, what well, like like regardless of whether you're like, oh, your fucking superhero movies took over this decade, or if you're like, yeah, superhero movies owned this decade, took over this decade. <laughs> yeah, um, that shot sums it up perfectly. And oh, mm. it's, it's just. I oh, also really yeah. like about five minutes after that shot, it like the, the it does like a one take that follows all the yeah. heroes doing their best, and some doing- of them are really um, poorly green screened into it. Are they? I didn't notice. Uh, Hawk, Hawkeye looks very out of place. I'm I'm too in love with this movie to to be able to uh, um, notice what's wrong with it. Um, another thing I really like in this movie, and again, this is one of those should I save this for a later episode thing, but it kind of finds its origins in this film. Yeah, and for why I like the Avengers most of all is so the the way that the um that the Chitauri are stopped is that. Uh, the government launches a nuke to blow up Manhattan and um, Nick Fury warns Iron Man. And it's first of all, that's a great scene because it gives Nick Fury something tactile mm. to do during the final. And when he's like, but, given that it's a stupid-ass decision. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so good. And so Iron Man um, like kind of manipulates the, the, um, the missile so that it goes up through the uh, Einstein-Rosen, what's it called? The... The uh, yeah, wormhole. Like yeah, wormhole. The wormhole, and and he so he goes through the portal as it's closing, and then falls back down as it blows up the the fleet, and he falls back down through the wormhole as it's closing. And it's first of all, it's such a good climax. Like mm. it's it's such a good way of dealing of using another problem to uh, solve the the other problem. <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. they're like, now we've got a missile, we've got a nuke coming towards us, and, but there's a porthole in the sky that we can just throw it through. Um, so I love that. I love the stakes. I love that uh, it's a sacrificial moment for Iron Man. Yeah, when but- Captain America's called him out earlier for not being saying like you don't know what it means to make a sacrifice oh. to lay to lay yourself down the line. Ah, oh. was so, so the other good. guy can walk over you, which Cap, you know, Cap jumped on a grenade in his yeah. movie. Yeah, so good. Um, but one of the moments that always always stuck with me from the Avengers is when. We see inside Tony's helmet when he goes through the wormhole and he's got this look of awe on his face. And it's it's partly like exhaustion. It's partly like he thinks he's about to die, that kind of thing, as he falls back through it. And I remember when I was like, there's no way you can make Iron Man and Thor exist in the same universe. Mm-hmm how i was expecting to that single moment is like what i point to as what convinced me and it's at the end of the film and i was already enjoying it by then but like that moment of acknowledging how fucking profound it would be to be someone who's been on earth their entire life be lost for words 
going through a wormhole into space you know like that's that's the scene i point to as being what what really clinched my like really convinced it convinced me um and if we're going into future phases that's also why i rank iron man 3 higher than probably what a lot of people do is because it deals with the ptsd of it and whereas a lot of marvel movies um what am i trying to say here this is all leading up to my i want to make the comment that I thought it was real weird in Infinity War that Peter Parker, a kid from Queens, goes to space, goes to another planet, and it hardly seems to phase him. Yeah. And I I get you don't have time to show that necessarily, but that is one of my biggest problems with the MCU, if I have any problems with it, is that how people don't seem to react to these life-altering, profound moments. But except for that... That moment in the Avengers that's that's paid off in Iron Man three, I love that. I love yeah. it so much. It's interesting you say because I actually think because um, it's similar to uh, how before Iron Man two came out, they were like we're going to tackle the demon in a bottle storyline, uh, mm. which is to do with his alcoholism, and it doesn't really. It's it's like it, it's not the, Iron Man two isn't about his alcoholism, you know. Yeah, and then um, Iron Man three, I think they didn't lean on the PTSD stuff enough. Sure. For me, I would have I would have liked more of it, but then yeah. I guess like PTSD is a hard sell in a movie to like be the the driving force behind it, and maybe it's in it more than I remember. It has been four months since I've watched it, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's that's really interesting. And also, I, I keep an eye out for this as we keep going. But the shot you're talking about when he's like looking up in awe is that the only time we see a profile shot from inside his helmet? Uh, I don't remember. Because, you know, there's the, there's the shot, like, every time, you know, Robert Day Jr. gets paid millions and millions of dollars <laughs> to have a CGI Iron Man fly around, and then he just films these inserts of his face with um, the, the heads-up display. But, yeah, when he's going up into space and he's looking up at this thing, or it's it's profile it's from the side is it i don't remember and um there's a close there's a very close-up shot of his eye oh yes yeah but there's the, but there's a wider shot where you can is still it? see I, the heads up display the and it's profile and uh, yeah just keep an eye because i think that might be the only time we see that shot in the entire franchise yeah i um, just I, th- I actually quietly i'd say that's the best moment of the film it's maybe not the most fuck year moment of the film yeah, but yeah, for me yeah. it's the most impacting moment of the film what's your favorite fuck year moment of the film oh it's got to be Puny that's God. my secret cap. Oh right, you know, like that, yeah. or like um, ah, there's too too many to to, to point to. One that's um that was in the trailer, but if you didn't know it was coming, is such a good moment. Is right after the bit we're talking about when Iron Man's unconscious and falling back to Earth, and they're mm. like, "Fuck, he's not slowing down. We need to stop him." And Thor starts to wind up his um mm. hammer because that's how he flies. And then Hulk just fucking comes out of nowhere and catches yeah, him. It's such so a good. because we um, it's good character development for Hulk. Yeah, exactly. Well. Like because <laughs> um, the the first time we see Hulk in the film, um, he's obviously unleashed without Banner kind of letting him, um, yeah. and he's he's his own character. Whereas we see um, in like at the end of the film that there is some of Banner in him, and because Banner and Stark's friendship is sort of um incubated throughout the whole film yeah and throughout the whole final battle mark ruffalo wasn't the banner isn't there and tony stark keeps on going he's going to show up i'm telling you he's going to show up and mm. then he does and he fucking saves his life yeah, yeah. and it, it's it, that's such a it's an underrated moment because yeah, i think I it was spoiled of the trailer it's just like here's another shot of him grabbing him mm. um 
but you're obviously puny god as well when oh. um a Loki Loki's threatening um, the the original Marvel undercut, yeah. the orig- the OG Marvel undercut. Um, do, <laughs> yeah. you want, do you want to explain it? If, oh, you, you yeah. go for it, mate. So Loki Loki's basically you know doing his thing during the Battle of New York, and then he gets like um, what, intercepted by the Hulk, who like smashes him into the um, the Stark building. And before Hulk can go and beat him up, Loki gets to his feet and he goes enough. And he, what do you know? Do you know the line by heart, or try just approximate it? Um, it's it's like he he basically, he basically scolds Hulk. Yeah. He's like yeah, he scolds Hulk, Hulk, and he's like, "You are acting." He, what he's basically saying is like, "You are acting like you stand a chance against me, but I'm a fucking god. Like yeah. I'm actually worth more than you, and you shouldn't." He doesn't go into it. This is the implication of what he's saying, right? So he's like, "I am a god. How dare you?" And then Hulk just grabs his foot and smashes him for. T- it goes for too long, and that's the best part about it. It goes for so long, just smashing him against the 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 floor, and that's actually the. That's actually how Loki is defeated because we don't see him in action after that. Yeah, well, so he's lying in the ground, like, pummeled, and then he wakes up and um, the Avengers are standing around him. Another fantastic shot as well. Yeah. Um, That that moment... That moment was the... God, I actually love this movie, so I'm feeling very emotional. It's very hot in this room that I'm struggling to articulate it. Like, my favourite movies... And movies where it's like there are small little moments where your your dopamine spikes as you're watching <laughs> yeah, it, you sure, know? Yeah. Like those those moments, especially in action movies, are like um they're the currency of an action film, basically, is the is these mm. dopamine strikes. And that moment is like one of the ones towards the end that was just so satisfying and it's so funny. And I just I love I I will concede that Marvel's maybe overdone it with that kind of setup and payoff, but there was just something so pure and wonderful about seeing someone who thinks they're as intellectual as Loki be beaten in such an immature and yeah, you know 100%. easy way. It's such a funny way to be like you actually are a puny god, like you actually <laughs> are nothing. Um, I, yeah. I love it so much. That that I that was. I screeched with laughter when yeah, I watched that great. in the theaters. And um, in the Lego, uh, Lego Marvel superheroes games, mm. um, that's like if you tap square enough times close to a character, Hulk will do that move on them, <laughs> and you get an achievement if you do it to Loki. Nice. Um, is it called Puny God? Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. And uh, I do want to talk about Loki a little bit more. Mm. Um, because this is what, you know, obviously we, everyone's like, he's an amazing character, but so there's a couple of like mysteries or like not, not, not even mysteries, but like things that have been needlessly, e- either needlessly explained or are mysteries. So one is this, the, the line that you know, everyone talks about this, the line that Joss Whedon snuck in to, um, to the Avengers. Do you know about this? No, I don't. Um, so when he's. And this is another great scene as well. When uh, Black Widow and Loki are facing off with each other and um, he'd like fully, you know, that's the first time we kind of see him like break his composure and he's like, I'm going to get Hawkeye to kill you. And mm. only when he, and like when he's, when he's about to finish the job, I'm going to make him realize what he's doing. Yeah, because Hawkeye's been hypnotized for the first yeah. half of the movie. And, um, and, he call, and he says, you mewling quim. And um, yeah. do you know what that means? No. 
Uh, so it's essentially a fancy way of saying you quivering cunt. <laughs> like it's it's a very derogatory term and very um very fancy uh but vulgar word for female genitals um wow true yeah, yeah. i, I want to not like loki you yeah. know i want to i want to love to hate him <laughs> yeah but it's um it's pretty funny that they that they throw misogyny in there it's the worst thing a villain can do yeah use the c word <laughs> yeah um and Another thing as well, and I, I didn't really think about this until I watched it the other night, but you know, like right at the end when, so Loki's being taken back to Asgard and he's got this kind of like Bane-like mask on him. Yeah. And Scarlet, um, Scarlet Johansson, uh, Black Widow, leans over to Hawkeye and whispers something to him and he laughs. Mm. What do you reckon she whispered? Um, that guy said he was going to make you kill me. And he's like, look at him now. I, I like because it, it seems like it's she's she's saying that like looks like he's got a ball gag in his mouth or something. <laughs> like like his laugh is very like yeah. yeah. <laughs> Th- that's the second film in which Scarlett Johansson is involved in a whisper that yeah. no one knows yeah, yeah, what she yeah. said. Lost in translation. Um, um, yeah, because 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 they've been asked about it and they're just like, oh, it's the same thing. Bill Murray said and um, oh, lost okay. translation. But um, <laughs> the other thing, uh, this was, it like just came out in the last few months um, that like on the official website, like guide to the Avengers, it says like Loki under the influence of, um, this is of his scepter because we later find out that Loki's scepter had the uh, mind stone in it. Right. And um, yeah, so Marvel's now made it canon that, Loki isn't actually that bad of a guy. He mm. was being influenced by his scepter to be more evil, which is kind of shit. But whatever, it might not come up in any real way. Yeah, I think I think they're doing that because they're obviously Loki's getting his own TV show, yeah. and with her, how he's kind of like a one of the good guys, kind of in Thor Ragnarok. I yeah. think they're trying to make a play for rectifying yeah. his character. Mm. But yeah, no, that's I mm. thought that was interesting. So I guess that's all we have to say about the Avengers. But as you know, we're not even fucking close to done. (laughs) Uh, So let's talk about titles. AJ, do you have anything to say about the titles? Um, So, yeah, we talk about titles a lot on this podcast and here we go doing it again. Um, Captain America, the first Avenger uh, is the only one where it's like, and the first one as well, where it's like the... um, character name subtitle he's the only one who has a complete trilogy so far of character name subtitles yeah which i like um, i like that they that they did it in this one yeah i like that too i think i would have a problem with it if if uh everything else was real consistent but you've got things like the incredible hulk or later you have spider-man homecoming and things like that so it's not if if every other movie except for captain america first avenger was like the character's name i think it would annoy me but it, it doesn't, right, I guess. Yeah. Um, one thing I've always thought, I saw this post on one of my many, many nerdy Facebook pages or groups a while ago where someone was like, um, so you've got all the Thor movies and the Captain America movies, they're like the name of the character, then a subtitle for the sequels. If Iron Man followed this concept, what would Iron Man 2 and 3 be called? And they were saying like, Iron Man 3 would probably be Iron Man Extremist because yeah, that's the name yeah, of the, the thing in it. But I've always thought a real cool, and I sort of alluded this to this before, a real cool title for Iron Man 2 would have been Iron Man Arms Race. Yeah. 
I reckon that would have suited because no one says arms race in the film, but that's definitely what it's about. And I think that would have been a cool, a cool like explainer or you know a cool moniker for that film to have. What do you think? Well, I think because it introduces War Machine, it should have been like Iron Man, comma, T O O question mark. <laughs> like I'm Iron Man. It's like what you're Iron Man too. <laughs> Iron Man Two, but it's T O O. Yeah, that's such a that's such a classic retired sequel title trope. <laughs> yeah. We need to bring back the T O O sequel sequel yeah. title trope. Uh, but yeah, no, no, I think that's a good one. Uh, yeah. yeah, Arms Race is cool. Ext- Iron Man Extremist is cool. But then, like, mm. would you want to do like just one? If you had to do a one word title for Iron Man Two to keep the pattern, what would you call it? Um, because like, like, like if the villain wasn't actually called Whiplash, that'd be a great title. Yeah, yeah. Whip- Iron Man Whiplash. They don't say Whiplash in the film. Yeah, true. But then it's like, oh, then the people would be like, oh, so the third one would be called Iron Man in Mandarin. Iron Mandarin. Iron Man Mandarin. It's such an unthreatening word. Yeah. <laughs> I just think of the fruit. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah what, so that- what, what's a cool one word? Like whip crack, I guess. I don't know. Whip crack. Yeah. <laughs> Iron yeah, Man, whip crack. Iron um, Man. And then just the sound of it. Which. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Richard, we put out a post on our social media, our socials. Mm-hmm. Um Asking people what their favourite scenes and or moments from Marvel Phase One was, and I'd love to read you some of our responses that we. Oh got. my gosh, dude! I would love to hear them. All right, so uh, Joel Tempero says Tony's line in Iron Man One when he's talking to Pepper. He says, "I shouldn't be alive unless it was for a reason." Probably not a big deal at the time, but a massive deal now. Yikes! What do you think of that? Oh, I mean. If that's not my favourite moment, I don't know what is. Well, how can I recommend another one to you? Uh, yes. Uh, Scott Curry says, I still remember seeing Iron Man in the cinema and being totally shocked by the very end. In the press conference when he publicly revealed his superhero identity. It seems like a tiny thing now. I guess the same thing that Joel said. Seems like a tiny thing now, but at the time, or the opposite actually, it felt like it violated some fundamental rule of how superhero movies are meant to work. I remember feeling the same thing. Yeah, and but I feel like you would have been like, um, they can't do that. Me? Yeah. No, I didn't care. I just thought it was interesting. Or, or at least um, it was a cool statement for Marvel to make on go- going forward in this series that, like, this isn't a superhero series about secret identities. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not at the time, Sony's Spider-Man. It's not at the time, uh, Batman. You know, like, yeah. this is... This is different. It's like this your is where, superhero movie. Yeah, this is this is a universe where it's Elon your dad's Musk is superhero, a superhero movie. movie. <laughs> uh, Scott Dorr says, as much as I love Iron Man one, I think the best scene is the grenade dive scene from Captain America: The First Avenger. Uh, this is quite. I've seen this mentioned a few yeah, times, like on the internet, that people love this. Um, Taylor Wilson says, "Perfect way to set up selfless Steve." I agree. Yeah, hundred percent. It's great. And also, another cool thing about that moment is um, you see Peggy runs for it as well, um, but is stopped mm. because it's a test. Um, right. So it just goes to show how pure of heart Peggy is as well. Yeah. Uh, David Draper says, when Robert Downey Jr. eats the second cheeseburger in Iron Man, if that doesn't make you want a cheeseburger, then Kevin Feige hasn't done his job right. That's what he's here for, right? <laughs> and you know the story behind that cheeseburger as well, yeah? I don't. Tell me so, the story. So, uh, Robert Downey Jr., um, 
he had some pretty public problems with drugs, I think it's fair to say. Uh, And he was at like his lowest point and he was, you know, drug fucked out of his mind and he was eating this greasy, disgusting cheeseburger from Burger King and he was like, I can't believe I'm putting this in my body. Like, this is the lowest I've ever felt. And that was when he like threw all his drugs into the river and decided to get clean. And so it was like this big, you know, religious experience for him eating that cheeseburger. And so that's why they put it into the film. That's really cool. It serves the opposite purpose in in the film. Well, but it Um, is like, you know, a a cheeseburger signifying a a greater moment for him or like mm. a a change in his personality. Mm. Uh, Ben Close says, one of my favourite moments is probably when... Big Fat Liar. Uh, well, we'll get to it. Don't don't fucking <laughs> usurp his joke. Tough shit. Ben. Uh, one of my favorite moments is probably when Steve paralyzes Tony and mentions that he ordered the assassination. You can really see it in Robert Downey Jr.'s eyes how badly he felt betrayed when it turned out his longtime best friend and business partner was partner was nothing but a big fat liar. Oh, good one. Um, I wonder <laughs> if that's actually his favorite moment, or if he just like scoured Phase One for a moment that he could turn into big fat liar. I, I, I do like that moment though I think that's a good description of it it's a good description of a scene in a movie yeah what sure what are you going to do um, alright over on Instagram we've got a couple of sponsors as well um, Chris Murray Custom Shop says I'm a sucker for the MKV suit up in Iron Man 2 not the strongest movie or suit in the phase but dang what a moment Mark 5 I believe that is um, I said Mark V you said MKV MK, MK Ultra. Uh, yeah, Mark V suit. I mean. That's the one, the suitcase suit up. It's mm. cool. Uh, and now we've got like nanobots. In yeah, it's, it's like it's Mark like, 47. It's very like. emblematic of uh, how pop culture likes to portray technology. Yeah, yeah. Because pop culture is always like a few steps ahead of what technology actually is at the time. And so in 2010, it was like, yeah, there's a suitcase with an Iron Man suit in it. And, 2018 it's yeah it's just nanobots now just Mm. comes over but um yeah i mean we'll get to it more next week but yeah how they were like oh iron man's got like you know he's up to like five or six and then it was like leaked uh, like images first image from iron man 3 of him it is like mark 42 armor (laughs) and it's like jesus christ uh, Connor Watson says, literally when Iron Man fire a little rocket in the first film and walks away and blows up the tank. Like um, literally? Literally that. <laughs> I mean, but I think what he means, why he said literally, is like, yeah, that's the money shot, the cheesy money shot, but like, yeah. that's why. It's because it's a really good. Yeah, it is. It is very cool. It's very, a very classic moment. And the last comment we have is from Cal Al fifty two, who says Thor's hammer versus Cap's shield leveling a forest in the Avengers. Yeah, that is a cool moment. And it also has that, like in that moment, uh, the, the fight between the three of them. You have the moment where um, Thor shocks Tony, and he says, and then Jarvis is like, "Oh, charged to four hundred percent, and he's real powerful." And he's like, mm. "How about that?" And it's not brought up again in the final fight. And it's it's a massive unfired Chekhov's gun, if you ask me. But maybe it'll be fired in Endgame. Mm. All right. Sweet. Well, let's get back to our our discussion instead of other people's yeah. discussions. Fuck off, fans. <laughs> this year, we're trying out a little thing called hashtag ask everyone 
2019 where yeah. uh, we like doing interviews on this potty. So we're trying to do more of them. And the way we've done our ones up until now is just randomly messaging people out of the blue that are well, tweeting at people that are involved in some way in the franchise we've been covering. So mm-hmm. I have tweeted someone. I have interacted with this person before. I can't remember what I said, but it was just like a, hey, does anyone else think this? And I was like, yeah, totally. And they liked the the tweet. And Holy shit. <laughs> so uh, that's uh, Zach Stentz, who is the screenwriter behind Thor, uh, or one, one of them. And he also uh, is the guy behind X-Men First Class. So two franchises we've covered. And uh, so we tweeted at him, said, would you be keen for an interview? And he said, okay. And then I said, how do we get in touch? Um, so that's where we're at with that. <laughs> Stay tuned, everybody. That'll be exciting. <laughs> Hopefully we just need to get him on, a, on another time when he's when he's online. Yeah. Like, what's your email address or whatever? Yeah. Follow us, DM us. Um, yeah. So hopefully that'll happen. Stay tuned for that. If that happens, if it does happen, might not happen. And if it doesn't happen, you can stop tuning in. Yeah. You have my permission. Once this interview prospects are in ashes, then you have my permission to stop listening. Stopping listening isn't something one considers when uh, destroying the universe. <laughs> I couldn't make the metaphor work the, the whole way to the to the end of the quote. Yeah. Um. This this uh, cancelled listenership extracts a heavy toll. That's my secret, Cab. I never listen to your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) See, that one's funny because it's something one of your friends would actually tell you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, let's talk about what what most or all of these films have is two things. One is a cameo from uh, the dearly departed Stan Lee. The creator mm-hmm. of Marvel Comics. Well, yep. not the creator of Marvel Comics, but um, and nerd alert sirens go off everywhere. <laughs> Someone just said Stan Lee was the creator of Marvel Comics, and they also have post-credit scenes. So, uh, I mean, I don't know if it, like if, should we rank them or should we just go through what we kind of like a quick top, middle, or bottom of each of them? Yeah. Um, so let's go through the post-credit scene. So I'm including the one from Incredible Hulk, even though it's not technically one. So across these six films, there's seven post-credit scenes or mid-credit scenes as well. Um, so Iron Man's one is when Nick Fury shows up and says, I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, this is still the best one. Like, right. in terms of what a post-credit scene is supposed to do and how it made me feel when I first saw it, this is like... Unbeaten. Do you know? I don't. I don't think I even knew the post credit scenes existed until like Iron Man three. Yeah, it's, it's like so it's I'd, real I'd weird. Like, I don't. I don't remember if I knew exactly what it was or like what, but I remember staying and seeing it and being like, oh, "Actually, you fuck. know what? I'd seen the Avengers one, so I guess I did know to yeah. some degree." Uh, what okay. do you, What do you reckon about this one? Yeah, yeah, of course. Like, of course, it's the best one. Yeah, it's it's the it's the promise. It's the giddy promise that that. You in two thousand eight, you couldn't believe they'd actually live up to in such a yeah a satisfying yeah, 100%. way. And so, Incredible Hulk, you've got uh, Stark showing up and meeting uh, Thunderbolt Ross, and mm. it's it's weird. Like, I don't re- I don't remember if at the time I knew that those two films were connected. I think I probably did because I remember reading the like scouring the Wikipedia pages for all these things, and so 
I don't know how surprised I was by the idea of Stark showing up in it. And also because I remember at the very start of the film, you see Stark Industries logo. And I remember being like to my mates, guys, guys, it's fucking Iron Man. All right. Yeah. Um, I think this is an underrated post-credit scene because it's not a post-credit it is, scene. Yeah, it's that too. But it, it, it is also like the first time we the films cross over in, in like a yeah. big way. Um, but in terms of what it is, it's not too interesting. It's not mm. too exciting. But it's interesting that it has a new meaning now as well. Yeah, yeah, that that kind of bumps it up actually. Mm. Yeah, it's quite mm. funny. Uh, so then, Iron Man two, we have um, near the end of Iron Man two, Coulson says that he's got a new thing to go do in New Mexico, and then we see him find Mjolnir. What do you think of this one? Uh yeah. In a way, it's good because it's it's like when you have two, three movies, and two of them are the same character. It's cool to be like, there's another one. There's another one coming out. Yeah. Like we're introducing I, a new character now. I do like that. To me, this is like another like really good example of what a um, what a post credit scene should be. Mm-hmm. It's like if if you're gonna stay to the end, it's a tease that like you'll you'll get if you're into the comics and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's also it's not necessary. It's you know it, it, it's. You don't need to see it to understand Iron Man 2 or to understand uh, Thor, yeah. but it's a, a fun little tease. Yeah, it, it's got a, it must be the cheapest of all the post-credit scenes as well, eh? Well, I mean, it, I think it's just it's just a slightly different shot scene from Thor. Yeah, so um, exactly. <laughs> and, like, you've got no... You, the only actor you've got is Phil Coulson, so yeah. it's not like you've got to scramble you have to fucking for, make this big crater. Yeah, <laughs> true, good point. Uh, and then Thor, you have uh, Salvig. It's revealed that Loki's still alive, and Salvig is shown the Tesseract, and presumably Salvig is under Loki's control or influence, at least at this point. Yeah, uh, and Samuel Jackson's in that Samuel scene Jackson's as well. Samuel Jackson's in it. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I'd ever seen this scene before. I think this, watching it this time was the first time I saw it, and for that, it gets points because it was something new. But <laughs> yeah. it's nothing too special, I guess. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, and then. Captain America has undeniably the worst one. Um, I mean, it's it's just it was the first trailer for the Avengers, which at the time was pretty cool. But I mean, it I didn't pisses see it me off. It. it pisses me off because it's like it's the it's now just the only post credit like, scene. Yeah, it's now the only post credit scene that has that as a post credit scene in the whole series. Um, the one thing I did like about the trailer though is that it touts the tagline as some assembly required, which is such a fucking funny tagline for the Avengers. <laughs> like I get that Avengers assemble is a thing, but like that's a phrase you associate with like toys. Like yeah. it's such a funny thing to say. That's great. <laughs> um it's one of those legally blonde things where it's a pun that only works one way and not two ways. <laughs> like they're not yeah. also toys as well as superheroes that need assembly. Yeah. Um, so that's def- that's the worst one we're agreeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then so the Avengers had to had introduced the mid credit scene, um, and so that had the first one, which is the other who we've seen is the one that sort of Loki is reporting directly to. Um, After Chitari. That yeah, he's the sort of head Chitauri guy, um, and then we see who he answers to, and he mm. says to pursue them would be to court death, and then we see our old purple mate Thanos, uh, first Thanos in the series. Yep, um, I turn remember and seeing, look to the camera and smile. I remember seeing that in the theaters, and then going home and looking up 
and see, and reading the name Thanos for the first time. Yeah. It was a fun little special memory I have. Um, but it's interesting about that, and I guess we'll talk about this more when we get to Infinity War, but this teases a more comic book accurate Thanos as well. Yeah. Um, uh, and the little t- the little post-credits style tease for part three of this yeah. conversation. Um, yeah. And then the Avengers has a second one at the end of the credits, which is the, the main six all sitting around eating shawarma which um, is mentioned earlier on in the film. And this, the fun fact about this one, it was filmed after the premiere of the film. So they premiered the film, went and shot this, and then stuck it on copies of it. And I remember it actually wasn't in, when I saw the cinemas for the first time, because I think I saw it twice, this wasn't in it. We stayed Mm. to the end of the credits and it wasn't there because New Zealand gets the film like three or four days earlier than the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I think it's a real, it's, that doesn't do anything, but yeah. it's so funny. It's great. Yeah, it's, I, I love it's this like, one. This is the, like for different reasons. These these like my top two is Iron yeah, Man yeah. and the Avengers. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree because it's like one of the only times you see them all be casual together. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's so great, and it's like it's one thing I love about these films is that they're not a, and a lot of people people shit on them, especially DC fans. Um, is that DC takes itself well it has up until this point up until two weeks ago when Shazam came out. Um, but it's, they took themselves very seriously, whereas they're not afraid to like meme and, mm. you know, and just, just, just add this kind of shit. That's like a bit like silly the, and a bit the, fun. The sick, what are those joke in Black Panther? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this, this is, this is a really, a really fun thing. And the fact that they just like kind of did it. And also uh, you'll notice that Chris Evans has his, hand up to his face the whole time because he'd grown oh, a beard for another oh, okay. role i was gonna say it's not him is it but it was him yeah no he'd he'd, he'd grown a beard so mm. um his face is like he had like skin over it i think but he's like holding yeah. it because it looks real fucking weird yeah uh all right now on to the stanley cameos <laughs> so some of these are really quick in these ones though yeah. but uh let's talk about what we think of these so and the first iron man uh he's mistaken for hugh hefner is he mistaken? I thought he just was Hugh Hefner. No, nah, he's it's like he's mistaken for Hugh Hefner, according to this. Right. Um, yeah, so it's, it's quite a fun little cameo. Yeah. And then the Incredible Hulk. I remember this being referred to as like his most important cameo yet. <laughs> sure. Um, because he um, drinks the contaminated soda and presumably turns into the Hulk. <laughs> like, I don't know. Well, I don't, I don't know if he has enough to turn into the Hulk. It says that he has gamma poisoning. Yeah. Um, that's a fun one. Yeah, and like then in Iron Man two again, he's mistaken for Larry King this time. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, and it's it's like <laughs> what like thirteen frames long as well. It's yeah, so yeah. quick in this one. Um, and then in Thor, he plays a truck driver, one of the ones that's trying to get Mjolnir out of the crater. Hmm. Uh, what is he? He's like, did it work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that might be my favorite off. one. I think comedically, that's the best one so far. Yeah. And then uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, when um, Captain America <clears throat> is meant to be appearing somewhere and someone else walks out and he's like a veteran. He's like, I thought he'd be taller. Yeah. Yeah, that one's all right. And then finally in the Avengers, uh, at the end, it's like a montage of everyone loving the Avengers and people cutting their goatee to look like Tony Stark. And mm-hmm. he's playing a game of chess and he's like, superheroes in New York, 
Give me a break. <laughs> oh, it's so wholesome. It is great. Eh? And in the Lego Marvel Superheroes game, that's like one of the sound bites that passes mm. by, say. So there's like yeah. all, all like the same 15 phrases you hear every five, every three or four minutes. Um, and so that superheroes in New York, give me a break. That's good. Good stuff. Good, good stuff. Nice. So we've reached the end, my friend. We're in the this end game the- now. Because it's time to continue the franchise. So, Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 1 has been continued already. What do you mean? Yeah, with another 15 films so far. <laughs> My with God! at least two on the <laughs> I way. I had no idea. Uh, yeah, wow. it's a It's a strange one to continue. Um, and it, Phase 2 is going to be even harder to continue. But yeah. uh, do you ever continue the franchise? Yeah, so the way I kind of looked at it, I was like, how do you continue phase one if Mm. that's the rule right so i figure the obvious answer is to do an incredible hulk sequel yeah um and i know that it's all wrapped up in legal disputes and stuff so they can't do it but first of all i i would love to see the leader in on film as a character i would love to see mark ruffalo carry his own movie and maybe you give him um who do they always pair him with in interviews um don Cheadle. yeah yeah yeah, maybe, maybe give him um, Rhodey as a as the. It's it's funny how there's these peers made, yeah, and like in the real world that we're like, oh, to see on film. Um, but what I would actually be real interested to see is a series of Hulk films, like because people were talking about how like before Thor Ragnarok came out, people thought it was going to be the Planet Hulk storyline. Yeah, World War Hulk. Yeah. Yeah, World War Hulk. Um, and I think that definitely is a way to go. That I think after Thor Ragnarok, it's probably too late to do that now. Though mm. title wise, I could get behind the Incredible Hulk. Planet Hulk, World War Hulk as film titles. I think that'd be cool. Um, But what I'm kind of more interested in is seeing Red Hulk or Grey Hulk on screen as well. And people have talked about um, Everett Ross, who is played by Martin Freeman, being like the the backdoor Red Hulk. I'd be very down for that. Yeah, Um, because it's... um Thunderbolt Ross in the comics, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Which I don't really want to see William Hurt as... I don't want to see William Hurt. Yeah, William Hurt's real weird because he's. I was making sorry, I was making a pun. I wasn't oh, making yeah. a good judgment. No, but, but I would like, hate to see William, Hurt. William Hurt for a second. <laughs> so I, um, I only really know him from the MCU, mm. and I was like, oh, yeah, I know what he looks like. And then I watched History of Violence, which I was like, oh, William Hurt's in this. And then I was like, oh, he's he's th- th- Thunderbolt Ross, yeah. And then I watched the whole movie, and I was like, where was he? And then I realized he looks so different without like wow. the long, the not long hair, but like that crew cut and yeah, a yeah. mustache. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's a yeah. Weird looking dude. So to be cool to do like the alternate Hulk series. So you do you Red Hulk, Grey Hulk, She Hulk, you know, like. Yeah, She Hulk's ex- a good character. Explore the characters. And maybe that's more something for a Disney Plus show than a than movies but i'd love to i'd love to see it and and done in movies yeah um so that's my continue the franchise what's the like professor hulk or something yeah professor hulk yeah where he's smart yeah and i think there's one of them where it's like he's only hulk in the dark so he wears a sorry i'm moving away from the microphone (laughs) he's only hulk in the dark so that he wears a fedora so that the sunlight can't hit him Mm. There used to be a She-Hulk animated series that I remember watching and quite liking. She was a character in the Incredible Hulk animated series. I don't know if she had her own one. Right, yeah. I just remember seeing her. Anyway, um, my continue the franchise for this is a video game. Um, 
There is the Square Enix Avengers project in development, which was announced two years ago, and we haven't really had any oh, updates on. It's been a long time since then. Yeah. Um, but especially with the success of the Spider-Man PS4 game, I, I, it's insane to me that I think Captain America, the, Winter, the first Avenger, was the last... Um, movie in the marvel cinematic universe to get a video game tie-in they don't really make video game tie-ins anymore they're not not really a thing but um i loved the incredible hulk um video game tie-in just a side note (laughs) Um, i didn't even know it existed i um, i always got it out when we went to my friend's house and he fucking got so sick of it (laughs) like every time we'd go to the video store i'd be like oh let's get this he'd be like no fucking like i just loved because you could um you could do that move where you like just stamp the pavement and uh, this big rock comes up so you can like hit people with it. And then you can like split it into two and basically use them as bigger fists. Yeah. Um, fuck, I'm going to see if I can get this game. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, so like set in the world of the Avengers because also the Lego Marvel Superheroes, which I've mentioned a few times, is such a good game. It's like an open world sandbox game, but yeah. you're Lego and you're the Avengers. It's like just yeah. make a good graphics, photorealistic version of that. Yeah, the worst thing about that game is that you're Lego. So it, that's the one part of it you can't take seriously. Yeah. Like if that was just real real Avengers characters models, mm. that'd be such an interesting that'd but, be so so much more like a bigger cultural phenomenon than the Lego version was. Yeah. But then, because the, the first game has all the Fox and Sony characters in it as well, and the yeah. second game is just MCU or characters owned by Disney, which is it's not as good, and I haven't even um, finished it. But I've like oh, wow. um, platinumed the first one twice. I've yeah, I've, I watched you play a lot of it when we when we flattered together, and one of the main things I remember about it was how good the the um, idle music was. Yeah, man. <laughs> like it sounded like something that would belong in like The Last of Us as yeah. opposed to Lego <laughs> Marvel superheroes. Yeah. But it's, it's it's such a like unabashedly fun game, yeah. And fuck it, just make it just just do that again. <laughs> like yeah. literally, just someone mod Lego Marvel yeah. superheroes with the like actual like character. Should continue the franchise? Just a, a hack for a game, yeah. A patch, yeah. So nice. that's my continue the franchise. Very good. Well, well- <laughs> is that it? How uh, long is it. this? So this is- well, this is like two and a half hours. Yeah, about that. Uh, and that's our sh- review of The Mule, starring Clint Eastwood. <laughs> um, Sorry we went on a massive tangent. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode. If you liked it, then please be sure to subscribe to us all over the show. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, um, Patreon. You can find us on Patreon as well. And you can also... Um, uh, email us at copoptionmedia at gmail.com next week it's phase two week after that it's phase three plus infinity uh, In- game. infinity game In- yeah. end war so yeah. next week's probably going to be about the same length because we've got the same amount of films to talk about mm. um, and then the following week it's probably going to be twice as long plus I imagine our conversation about Endgame is going to go for a fuck of a lot longer because it think- fresh do you think um, next week's episode might be shorter than this week's because we won't talk about the mule for so long? <laughs> we'll talk about the other um, the other Clint Eastwood films I will have watched between yeah, na- exactly. um, now and recording. Mm, awesome. Okay, thank you for listening, everybody. We'll see you later next time on Cult Pop. Sure. Haven't done this in a while.
Sweet. Okay, dude. You you, store, you stop recording? Uh, yep. Cool. Uh, cool. Oh, that was a pretty good one. Yeah, that was... Hey, who's that? Is that world-famous New Zealand comedian Tim Bat from the Worst Idea of All Time podcast? AJ, Richard, I'm here to talk about the Little Empire Podcast Network. Yeah.